Professional wrestling superstar, champion, entrepreneur, author, and show host. The Big Guy Ryback feeds you more interviews, more stories, more information, and more laughs than ever before. <laughs> Conversation with The Big Guy Ryback starts now welcome to conversation with the big guy ryback i am the big guy ryback and today i have the pleasure of speaking to one of the true true freaks and and true just somebody incredibly smart human being on this planet guys he's known as the white rhino he is the founder of the vertical diet which I, i look forward to really really getting in talking in depth about that with him He's known as one of the world's strongest IFBB pros. Ladies and gentlemen, Stan Efforting. Hello. How's your morning going? Great, man. Great. Good deal. Thank you for making the time for this. I appreciate it. Of course. An honor, my friend. I'm glad to hear that everything's going good with you. Yeah, no, I'm very, uh, very blessed. It's kind of surreal with everything. I actually got my Dr. Bo shirt on. I met you there at Dr. Bo's there. Do you train oh, that primarily out there at CT's? At Ironatics? Not too often. I, I get out there every now and then. I'm on the, the east side, so it's a bit of a commute. I got all my equipment in my gym, so I only get out there every now and then. Are you over in Henderson? Yeah, I'm over on the east side here in the Green Valley, Henderson area. Okay. How long have you been out there for? Seven years. Are you originally from Las Vegas or no? No, born and raised in Oregon and lived in Seattle for 20 years. Oh, I love it up there. The beautiful area. Yeah. It? Yeah, it's just too much gloomy gray skies and rain. I couldn't wait to get the sun. So you enjoy it out here then? I do. I really do. Yeah. it's. Uh, I saw you before there. It's grown just so much. I'm all the way up here north, and it's just it, it's crazy to see. It always was a big city, but it had kind of – it was a little bit more laid back, and now it's uh, – the people are filing in, so. Oh, yeah. It's gotten busy. The, so I wanted to talk to you today because I was uh, I actually had read your book on the vertical diet, and I've always I've had different people on this show and it's uh, in talking about various things. I've had guys from like Dr. Berg with the keto and Thomas DeLauer and uh, different people, different doctors and health professionals. And for me, I've tried various different ways of eating, but I. I got a, came across your book finally on the vertical diet, and I always looked my best when I ate a diet very similar to what what you preach in, the, in that book. And I'd gotten away from it the last few years, trying various different diets from keto for a year to to more of a carnivore style. And I'm always really big on taking in information, but actually trying to apply it and give it some time and see how it how I react to it and whatnot. But I was intrigued by yep. you because you. You're such a smart, intelligent human being, and sometimes I feel like some people push only one way of eating, but you seem to be a little more open from everything I read on that, which I really, really liked, and that that people, are you of the opinion that there's not exactly one way of eating for every human being? Absolutely. I, I think what's important about the vertical diet, you mentioned keto and carnivore, and there's certainly many others. The vertical diet's really a foundation that should be applied to any diet that you're on. 
I don't have a preference for high carb, low carb necessarily yeah. for the vast majority of people. Uh, I certainly lean to carbohydrates for athletics, for athletes, particularly anaerobic athletes, strength athletes. But the vertical diet is, as you notice from reading it, is so much more than that. Yeah. I mean, it's only a, only a small portion of it's really about the foods that you eat. But we'll get into it in depth. But you're right. I, I believe that uh, there's many paths to the same destination and that there's you know, no one-size-fits-all diet. But I think that everybody should adhere to some fundamental principles, which I tried to address in the diet first and foremost, that would allow people to be successful regardless of what diet they preferred. What were the origins of this for you on the vertical diet? When did this all kind of come into place for you? Obviously, it was years and years of research and trial and error, I would imagine. Yeah, that's one of the, the things about the diet is I've lived it, as you know. I yeah. started competing in 1986. 1986, and I was 158 pounds at my first show. I came up from 135 to 158 in my first bodybuilding show. So I've been using nutrition, obviously, and training and for well over 30 years to become a professional bodybuilder at 5% body fat at 254 pounds and to become you know, the world's to set multiple world records in powerlifting where I had to bulk up to over 300 pounds. So I've used nutrition, obviously, very specifically for different goals throughout my career. And I've learned a lot along the way. I've done a lot of things wrong. And we're fortunate to have all the science that we have currently. And as you noticed from the diet, I've got, you know, over 200 peer-reviewed published yes. research articles, you know, really great resources in there. But the fact of the matter is, is that from the vast majority it comes from personal experience. I've just noticed that certain foods help me perform. And, uh, and then I've worked with, you know, now hundreds of great athletes. And I've been able to see that both in terms of dieting, we've been doing things very wrong by over-restricting. And in terms of bulking, we've been doing things very wrong by being probably too inclusive. When dieting, we experience metabolic adaptation to varying degrees. And with micronutrient deficiencies, we end up with all sorts of uh, problems, especially women in terms of, of anemia and hair loss and amenorrhea and a host of other things and loss of energy. And then on the bulking end, we end up with these big athletes that get metabolic syndrome. They end up with fatty liver disease and insulin resistance and high blood pressure and high blood sugars. And I've experienced both. I've used restrictive diets with egg whites and chicken breast and broccoli and too much cardio and, and done blood tests throughout my career. I've had over 150 blood tests almost on a monthly basis for the last yeah. 10 years. And I've seen the results. I've seen the low thyroid. I've seen the low testosterone. And then in bulking, the same thing. I've seen the results. I've seen the high liver enzymes, the elevated HA1C, the high cholesterol. I've seen those things happen from using the wrong diet. And so uh, through trial and error and through the, the research that, that, you know, I, I did study exercise science at University of Oregon. I have a degree in science. And the co-author of the diet is a registered dietitian who has a PhD in exercise phys. And we took a really, really careful look at all of this and designed a diet that would work both for, um, you know, a, a professional figure competitor, a 112 pound woman that yep. just turned, took third in the Miss Olympia, Nadia Wyatt, or for a 450 pound strongman like Hofthor and Brian Shaw, yeah. trying to get them there healthy as possible. So it's kind of a long winded explanation that, that it really is the culmination of over 30 years of experience and trying to make sure that the diet works for you instead of, uh, you know, it gives you, give your body what it needs and it'll do 
uh, it'll do what you want. And I got to say too, you look phenomenal. You look younger than me. I'm 37 and I feel like you look just when I met you, I was, I was so impressed when I, when I was reading about you and I saw your age, I go, get the hell out of here. So clearly you, you have an understanding of what you were doing and for, yeah. And I, that, that hasn't been that way throughout my career. I've, I, I did a, a video, a rhino's rant called, if you want to be healthy, don't compete. And I talked about the fact that yeah. throughout my career, as many people, as you know, uh, from experience, yeah. we do things to our body that, that aren't healthy, that yeah. are necessary for us to perform. And so I'm behind the scenes here. I've tried to work really hard to mitigate damage. I've experienced a lot of uh, adverse events, uh, health-wise, physically, and and you know, with blood work, and uh, I see that in my athletes. And so, yeah, I've uh, part of what the vertical diet is is trying to mitigate damage of competition. And that's one of the unfortunate things. And I think too, as I as I've gotten older, I was always very health conscious, but going into a, a competitive environment, and, and initially with WWE at a very young age, and seeing what other people were doing. And sometimes we take an adolescent mindset, but as competitors, you do whatever you have to do to want to be the best. And if other people, and I think we sometimes put ourselves in that, but as I've gotten older, I've really become a lot more health conscious. And I think it's great because we need more of that out there with people just, we're as human beings, we're always going to try to competitive athletes, I think to want to be the best, but if we could do it in the healthiest way possible, that's a great thing. And I was with these diets, I'm curious on your take on this, on, as far as like the keto diet, because in, in personally doing this for a, a prolonged period of time and having tests done myself, I've had the APOE uh, gene, APOE, APOE gene test where I'm type 3, 4, where essentially more at a risk for Alzheimer's and heart disease and don't process fats supposedly as well. And, and I always kind of thought that when I would do the keto diet, and I would I would keep my calories in that that the range that I needed to keep it in uh, from my other diets. That when I started switching to a higher fat based diet, I actually my body weight went down and my body fat went up. Have you have you had any experience with the keto diet yourself? Yeah, of course. You know, in bodybuilding, many many times I've gone under fifty grams of carbs preparing for a bodybuilding show. Yeah, and I always got weaker. I always lost muscle. I always got tired. So that's my personal experience from keto. I know some folks discuss the fact that over time you become fat adapted. I think that's only for a percentage of people. Yep. Uh, some of them never make it through the brain fog. I think that the best diet's the one you'll follow. And if somebody is, is compliant with a keto diet and they're able to eat at a calorie deficit and lose weight and therefore realize significant health benefits, which are generally attributable to the weight loss itself, irrespective yep. of what diet you're on, You'll, you know, I, I talked in a rant about obesity where the McDonald's diet at a calorie deficit uh, will yield a, a reduction in lipids and blood sugars and blood pressure. And therefore, that makes that a good diet. And yeah. so, so, so long as it's long term, it's not micronutrient deficient and you don't end up manifesting some of those issues, which uh, I, you know, briefly touched on when we talked about these over restrictive diets, people with B12 deficiencies and iron deficiencies and those kinds of things long term will will definitely wreak havoc on the body. But generally speaking, a keto diet tends to be pretty nutrient dense, uh, yeah. micronutrient dense because fats have your A, D, E and K and uh, generally you're eating uh, animal sources of food. So you're going to get a pretty rich micronutrient profile. I found that it can satisfy hunger for some people, that yeah. it tends to be good. At, and that's one of the main reasons people 
go off of diets. There's two main reasons. One is they get hungry and two, they get tired. So I try and mitigate appetite and energy. And the keto diet does pretty good for, for mitigating hunger. People tend not to be too hungry on it. And just for ad libitum, for eating you know, at choice, they tend to eat less. And, yeah. and so much as that helps, it helps. But they do tend to lose energy. They do tend to get sodium depleted, mainly because they get the glycogen depletion. And you know, one part glycogen has four parts water, and that's not water, it's fluid, and the majority of that fluid is sodium in the body. So another thing about the vertical diet building a foundation is, is that with a keto diet, I would recommend you get adequate sodium yeah. uh, into the diet. So, And I think people have figured that out by now in terms of doing keto right, quote-unquote right. Yep. But And so in, in, with respect to general health, I mean, some people overdo it with sticks of butter, etc. Yeah. If you're going to do a keto diet, you should have plenty of monounsaturated fats, fish, uh, whole eggs, uh, the yolk in particular, having all those micronutrients in it. Um, you know, I think some dairy, you definitely want to get some calcium in. I know that's hard to do uh, because of the lactose in dairy, maybe pushing you over in terms of carbs, but maybe you go to a cheddar cheese. Uh, calcium is really, really important. So if you're going to do a keto diet, then I think those getting a, you know, a broad array of foods and not just focusing on butter and sour cream yeah. and that, you know, that's kind of the Atkins. Uh, I think we went the wrong direction with that. So I think you can be healthy with that. I'd love to see people get some bone broth in there so they can get the glycine and just kind of generally speaking on keto. Now for performance, very different thing. And I know they talk about some endurance athletes becoming yeah. fat adapted and maybe having a, an extended endurance benefit. It's the exception, not the rule. And for athletes such as CrossFitters, UFC fighters, football players, you know, strong men, I absolutely think it, it is not the optimal diet for performance. I yeah. think the carbohydrates are very beneficial. And of course, I've competed in both powerlifting and bodybuilding and, and lifted weights all my life. So I can feel the difference within just a matter of days Same. Uh, in terms of my, yep, in terms of my performance in the gym. So I don't promote that for my athletes, uh, but I, I will make modifications to it for weight loss to keep people compliant. Sometimes they get, uh, you know, particularly, the, you know, they get a little brain fog. I like to throw in a little bit of fruit here and there. Fructose doesn't have the same effect on insulin, yeah. uh, but it can give you some energy and it, it Definitely can stimulate metabolism. Uh, it can make your brain happy. Obviously, your brain's going to burn up 120 grams of glucose a day, uh, usually supplied by your liver, irrespective of of you know your activity level. And so I, I'm I'm cautious about uh, you know I, I guess you're generally feeling here that I'm not all that positive about keto uh, for the broad spectrum of people. No, but I think that again, and I've lived this through experience now, and actually spent years trying different things here after I left wrestling to try to try different things. And I found too, and then the one thing that always seems consistent, no matter what on diet is the calories in versus calories, calories out. That always to me is, is, is a staple in all of this. And I found from when I switched over to keto and then finding that I didn't process trying to keep my calories high enough through fats wasn't working for me. So then I kind of transitioned into more of a carnivore diet with vegetables still like a lot of broccoli throughout the day and salads but i had a really difficult time keeping my calories at the amount and in looking at my my going off the the, the basal metabolic rate there and like i need 2500 calories a day not doing anything supposedly closer to 4500 5000 a day with activity depending on and sometimes more than that 
And what happened to me was by trying these different diets and not taking out carbohydrates out of my diet, I had a really difficult time keeping my calories sufficient. My metabolism had slowed down. I was doing more cardio than ever. My body fat was not as low as it had been in the past. And I started noticing that something wasn't right and it didn't happen right away. It took time for this all to kind of happen. And then after I came across your book, the one thing that really, really struck me, I think when you do these keto diets or low carb diets, I would still do a carb day here and there occasionally, but I feel like you start almost having a fear of carbs in some, and the more I would read on, on, on this different stuff that when I came across your book and you used it, and I don't know the exact, is it the exact analogy, but it, you mentioned like carbohydrates are the, were they the gasoline to your furnace essentially for fat burning? Yeah. Fat is burned at a carbohydrate flame. Yeah. And that right there. And I, and I just stopped when I read that and I said, the only thing different from what I'm doing now, from what I've done in the past is I've taken carbohydrates out of my diet and I'm noticing all these changes that I'm not necessarily thrilled with. My body weight always stayed in that 285, 288 range, but my, I was doing, like I said, Stan, sometimes I was doing two hours of cardio a day on the elliptical and it made no difference on my body fat levels and I, I couldn't figure it out. And I, and then switching over to this diet and, and taking aspects of this diet, eating white rice for the first time, never was a white rice guy. I eat white rice throughout the day. I feel better than I've ever felt. I'm back in the gym three weeks. My body, I weighed 300 going to bed the past few nights, probably closer to 290, 292 right now, three weeks back in the gym, more energy than I've ever had. It's, and to me, it's just I, that there's, again, the same thing, that there's not one diet for everybody, but from an athlete perspective and somebody training three and a half, four hours a day doing rehab and all my training, this diet is superior for me personally. And I think that's what your athletes and from different physical bodybuilders and people I've talked to, a lot of them are of the same thing where the keto diet just doesn't necessarily apply to them. And I, and I don't know if it's for those the exact reasons I stated for me personally, but it's just to me, we're, we're all different, but from an athlete's point of view, I love, I thrive having carbohydrates in the diet. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing for the general population that maybe they're have a high BMI and they're trying to lose weight and they've struggled in the past. Generally speaking, like you said, with the calorie equation, they tend to overeat. We're really bad at estimating yeah. our calorie intake and carbohydrates are easier to overeat. You're hungry more often. Yeah. There's no question. So for the vast majority of the population, when you talk about carbohydrates, uh, they, they may have a fear of them. And the, the general problem is they tend to overeat them. Now, when we, and so I would still keep carbohydrates in a weight loss diet. Yeah. But as you know, the foundation of the diet isn't white rice. The foundation of the diet is potassium and fruit and potassium is best obtained from, you know, a host of different sources, uh, a daily potatoes, a thousand milligrams, some spinach, another 900 milligrams, fruits, 400 milligrams, some dairy. You find that the populations that consume the most, actually the, the healthiest with the leanest body composition, uh, the calcium is hugely important and it also has a good dose of potassium in it. So I build that foundation of carbohydrates to give people energy and the energy isn't just the glucose, or, you know, ultimately the glucose, the, the glycogen in the muscles. Yeah. The energy is also the micronutrients that are in there. The fruits increase metabolism, increase body temperature. The potassium in the potatoes is fantastic. And the sodium, as we talked about briefly earlier, those kinds of things give people lots of energy. Now, you mentioned you have more energy and, and then you mentioned you ate a lot of white rice. 
Well, I think that the energy is mostly from the micronutrients yeah. and an adequate amount of carbohydrates. And so those are first. And then the white rice is really about you. It's about me. It's about the Hofdors of the world. It's about CrossFitters. It's about MMA fighters. It's about you know bodybuilders getting ready for a bodybuilding competition. It's about fueling workload yeah. and supplying enough calories to maintain body mass. Fats don't really help with performance. Once you get an adequate amount of fats in to supply you the micronutrients necessary and to help shuttle those nutrients in and out of the cells because every cell has a you know a lipid bilayer fats are important for general health but eating more fats doesn't help with performance whereas carbohydrates and I'll I'll, I'll make this statement you know somewhat reservedly but it's true carbohydrates are anabolic yeah carbohydrates bring glycogen to the muscle and they bring water and they bring salt sodium and it's just a, an environment that is more conducive to activity and to, to anaerobic training in particular so you've put the white rice in but you're you know what i'll say is you have to earn those carbs yeah. they absolutely will provide you more benefit a greater i think hypertrophy environment both for training and for recovery which is why that's in there some people will will dummy down the vertical diet to be a you know steak and rice, steak and rice, and white rice. And they'll completely miss the foundation of micronutrients and then also not understand the purpose of the white rice is to fuel workload. Yeah. And as you saw in there, you have to earn it. The 10-minute walks to improve insulin sensitivity, the hypertrophy training, again, for insulin sensitivity, but also to get the benefit from the extra carbohydrates that are so anabolic. Uh, so I'm glad you experienced that. And I hope that the folks understand it's, it's a comprehensive uh, program. It, it does have a base of really important uh, nutrition that you have to get in as well. And that's another thing you brought up right here. That's I didn't mention this. Is I went and I went out and bought the iodine salt, and I, I'm putting that on my meals throughout the day. And I, I don't know what are your thoughts also on that. The no salt, the potassium salt. Are you all right with that as well? Adding that to meals. Well, let's let's just talk briefly about why iodine is so important for you in particular. You were doing two hours of cardio a day. You were sweating a lot. Did yeah. you sweat out iodine? Yeah. Most people, when they go on a diet, if they use salt at all, uh, they'll use like a sea salt or a pink salt, which yep. doesn't have iodine. And an iodine deficiency, your thyroid requires iodine. Yep. And that, so that's really important for uh, your metabolism, and like you say, your energy. And if you're sweating that out and you don't get adequate iodine in your diet, then you're absolutely going to start to have, in addition to the fact that the cardio itself suppresses thyroid function, yep. extensive cardio does that. Yep. Your, you know, the lack of iodine is going to be a double whammy on you. And that's when, uh, and a whole host of things happen when you get low in iodine, when you get, or when you get hypothyroid, hypothyroidism can cause a significant increase in systolic blood pressure. And we're talking up to 20 millimeters on the systolic uh, blood pressure. Sleep apnea has a similar effect up yeah. to 20 millimeters on your systolic blood pressure. Uh, Salt-sensitive, hypertensive people who eat too much sodium have between a two and seven millimeter increase in systolic blood pressure. So how significant is hypothyroidism in comparison? Yeah. It also in causes an increase in cholesterol. Uh, low thyroid will cause your cholesterol to raise. It keeps cholesterol under control. So just to touch on how important this thyroid is, uh, women who experience hypothyroidism dieting for shows end up with hair loss. Part of that's contributed to the fact that they eat a lot of egg whites and no egg yolks, and yeah. the biotin is in the egg yolk, skin, hair, and nails. 
And the egg white, the avidin in the egg white actually robs biotin from the body. So if you're eating a ton of egg whites, the, they're going to steal biotin from your body. You're going to end up with hair loss. So yes, iodine is important, my long-winded answer. And getting it you know, from your diet using, say, an iodized salt is great. I toss in also a, an, another option of getting some a pure cranberry juice. Yep. Just three ounces is probably 300% of your daily iodine needs. Should probably shoot for about a milligram of iodine a day. Okay. Uh, 150 micrograms is the the US RDA is 150 micrograms, but that's for a sedentary, you know, adult population. That's not an active individual. Yeah. The Japanese probably get 10 to 15 milligrams a day because they eat so much uh, seafood. Uh, so one milligram a day is is plenty conservative. It's it's adequate, and it's huge for all those things I mentioned. But I'm glad that that you touched on that. I actually have a, a couple bottles of uh, cranberry juice in my refrigerator that I hadn't touched in some time. So I'm going to have to maybe add a little bit of that into the diet as well on my on my way to the gym, just with my my BCAs it's, and everything. It, it's just a few ounces. Yeah. I know people they they you know people get to be salt snobs and they think they're eating pink salt or sea salt because it's healthier. The the minerals in pink salt that everybody squawks about and thinks are so beneficial, they're of such a small amount that they don't provide any physiological benefit. That's not where you would go to get those minerals. You know, if you need those minerals, if you need calcium or magnesium or iron, you're, you're going to go to different food sources. Dr. Aaron Carroll, who's the dean of research at Indiana, who has a great website called Healthcare Triage on YouTube, he's also wrote a book called The Bad Food Bible, and he covered the whole myth about iodized table salt. I know it has anti-caking agents and they use bleaching, but the fact of the matter is, is there's no demonstrated uh, adverse effect in terms of health from using that. Uh, I'm kind of a salt snob. I used to like to use uh, uh, Redmond Real Salt, you know, that Dr. D. Nicolantonio likes, but I'll also get adequate iodine, you know, because if you don't, then all those other problems can occur. So, uh, and generally what happens is, is just salt in general, people have demonized it I don't know if you had historically been adding salt to all your food or taking salt before and after workouts, but that makes a huge difference. I wasn't. For I was performance, doing recovery. Not that, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up again because the original question, which I I was uh, um, dribbling on about uh, salt, was about potassium and no salt. Potassium is is best obtained from food. Okay. The the supplemental potassium can cause digestion problems. It can cause, uh, it can injure the lining of the stomach. All right. And so we don't recommend potassium supplements there for that reason. And Dr. Sandra Godick from the Heat Institute, she has a great hydration product called Levelin. She's, uh, she's a PhD in thermoregulation and hydration and probably one of the foremost authorities in the world on the topic. Uh, she works with the Philadelphia Eagles linemen. I work with Lane Johnson, the Philadelphia Eagles offensive lineman. And uh, she does their hydration protocols. She does not put potassium in her rehydration mix for that reason. Really? She prefers you get it from food. She, they're very cautious about gastric distress. And they use two different carbohydrate sources, which I mentioned and you've seen in the diet plan. Because when you use two carbohydrate sources for glycogen replenishment from training, not only does it double the uptake, uh, the rate of uptake of glycogen and uh, glucose into the system, but it, it reduces gastric distress from hitting yourself with one huge bolus of a single carbohydrate source. And this can be any two. It can be fructose and dextrose. It can be dextrose and maltodextrin. It doesn't matter. But you, when you do rehydrate or do uh, glycogen replenishment, glucose replenishment from training, like MMA athletes and CrossFitters who train multiple times a day, yeah. 
you should take in carbohydrates, simple carbohydrates, uh, para-workouts, you know, intra and post, certainly. And those should be a mix of two carbohydrate sources and sodium. And since I hate the taste of the salt in my drink, yeah. and because it's hard to get enough salt in the drink to give it any benefit because it's being diluted, uh, I use the thermo tabs. I just pop a few buffered salt tablets to get my 500 milligrams before and after training. What's the difference between something like the, that no salt potassium and potassium in food? Do you know like, the, the major difference between how we process it? I don't know. I, I, I just know that when you look at the research and Dr. Godick talks about the fact that the, the supplemental potassium yeah. uh, does can cause some irritation to the lining of the stomach. Okay. And so I avoid it. I avoid it for that reason. And I think that foods in general, you know, because they have cofactors that, that kind of mitigate uh, any extreme response to a single nutrient uh, are always preferable. We found that out in the Linus Pauling era when they were megadosing antioxidants and yeah. it was actually increasing. Same thing's true of calcium supplements. When you get calcium from dairy, it yeah. decreases cardiovascular disease. If you take a calcium supplement, it increases cardiovascular Dr. disease. Dr. Berg was tell telling so, me that, yeah. Yeah, so we, I'm cautious with supplements. There's only two, as you know, that I mentioned in there that I think that for health reasons should be supplemented, and it's because they're really hard to get from food. One is vitamin D, yep. the D3 in particular, and the other one's magnesium. And those two are really hard to get from food. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Stan? Because for me, the, when I first came across, uh, this was years ago, the, I read a book on the blood type diet, and it was there were some things in there that I was like, okay, but I always try to take something from anything that, that I come across. and. <laughs> I know from that, and I'm blood type A. So, and, and they always said that I was uh, blood type A typically doesn't have as much stomach acid to digest fatty foods. And that's kind of when my eyes opened up many years ago that I realized when I was consuming higher fats, my body fat fluctuated a little differently just from a, from a aesthetic standpoint and whatnot. Have, do you have any, any thoughts on the blood type diet? And do you think that any of those principles, if you're familiar with it, do apply at all? Or do you think it's... Because I've heard other people think, ah, there's really no research behind it. And so, and I just know that the fat thing seems to be the one thing in the book that I kind of got from it from me. I'll say first and foremost, I agree with you that, that you can, you know, I've, I've worked with just about every guru in the business and read so many different books and you can learn something from everyone. That doesn't mean you have to agree, agree wholeheartedly with everything that yeah. they say. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a lot of the gurus I work with don't agree with each other. So that having been said, in the academic world, there is not a lot of support for a blood type diet whole cloth, nor is there one for a body type. Uh, yeah. So those things are things I used to believe that I, I read, I tried. But you hit on something really important, and that is stomach acids, which yeah. I talk about in the, in the diet. And I have a, a, a YouTube rant where I talk about low stomach acid and how how pervasively damaging that is to everything downstream, the protein absorption, mineral absorption. So anybody that I'm working with that takes antacids, whether over the counter or, uh, you know, prescription, that's the first thing I try and get them off of yeah. because it's going to limit their absorption of, of proteins and minerals. And, you know, I have a whole, I think, uh, step by step in there of, of how to do that. Um, when I talk about improving stomach acid, that's huge. And yeah. that, you know, is definitely very important. And you're absolutely right. And with low stomach acid, it's going to impair performance is for sure. 
And I think that to me like was the one thing where I because there's some people and they, you know blood type O supposedly has high stomach acid where oftentimes and from what I've seen people that seem to do exceptionally well with the keto diet tend to be type blood type O and from different things that I've seen it's not always the case and whatnot but that's why I've just always been intrigued that with this that there's not necessarily one particular way but I think it's getting testing done knowing ourselves and, and having the experience and kind of making adjustments along the way and that there's just not one right thing or one one wrong thing but the digestion was the one thing with with the vertical diet that really was the different thing for me and like I've always just eaten brown rice because that's what brown rice is better for us it's slower slower digesting and and then when I made the switch over I I just I feel better on white rice and I never would have known that had I read the book and just you know what I'm going to try this and see how I react to it and it it's uh, it's that, and I think it's like the micronutrients, like you said, the iodine and, and the potassium and the different things. But this is the best I've felt in, in probably five or six years in, in of trying different yeah. things. So, and to me, it, well, that's it, great to hear. We do get a lot of feedback about eat this, don't eat that, and I'm 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 pretty cautious uh, when I talk about the foods that you know that we should be cautious about. I, I, I'm careful to say that it's not because they're necessarily bad for you, but it's dose dependent, it's individualistic, and how they're prepared matters. And with something like brown rice, which has is high in phytic acid, it's an anti-nutrient, it can cause digestive distress. The, the amount matters, the individual's tolerance matters. Yep. You know, same thing with legumes. I, I suggest that they're hard to digest in any significant quantity and frequency matters. They have a cumulative effect. Uh, if you, you might be able to eat, eat meal one morning and be fine. Uh, by the third morning when you eat it, all of a sudden you might be bloated and gassy. Yeah. Uh, it has a cumulative effect. The bodies uh, will start to, to increase the amount of methane that, uh, uh, that is put off by that, by that particular food that you eat. Uh, the same thing can be true with sugar alcohols. You might be able to tolerate four ounces, but when you get up to eight, all of a sudden you've got diarrhea. So, uh, and sugar alcohols are like a bucket. If you, you might be able to, to have a couple pieces of gum, but then when you add a little bit of uh, halo top ice cream or maybe a protein bar, those have sugar alcohols in them. And so the cumulative effect, uh, the quantity when taken uh, together can give you diarrhea and you'll be hard to pick which one is the problem. Yeah. So really the fundamental thing about the vertical diet is that it's easy to digest foods. I go with the low FODMAP. Yeah. That's a scientifically proven method. If you restrict something to help repair your digestion, uh, you may be able to reintroduce it later, uh, but I'm suggesting that you can use an alternate food. You can use a low gas vegetable, the spinach and squash and uh, the root tubers like carrots, etc., and maybe avoid some of the high raffinose, the high, high gas vegetables like uh, cruciferous vegetables, broccoli and cauliflower and asparagus. Not that they're bad for you necessarily, but if you respond to them, you know, adversely, then there's alternatives that you should use to, to feel good. Digestion to me is critical and the, the quality of the stool is, is something I really focus on with the diet. And that's from personal experience because like I said, after 30 years of competing and, and dieting and eating massive amounts of foods, the wrong foods. And, you know, I had all kinds of problems. My main trigger though, and I can't get through an entire interview without talking about it, uh, is, uh, is the vegetable oils. Yeah. That was the thing that's the, the three C's and three S's, the canola, corn oil, cotton seed, 
soybean, safflower, and sunflower, and they're in almost everything. And those give me really bad gastric distress. I have an allergy to those. And if I get any of those in my food, I'm racing to the bathroom. Now, you may not have the same problem, but vegetable oils have been shown to oxidize. They, uh, when you eat, vegetable oils can oxidize and create an environment that can increase fatty liver disease. Yeah. Whereas saturated fats can be protective, vegetable oils can be adverse, can actually help create an environment uh, of inflammatory environment that can contribute to fatty liver disease. And this has been researched mostly, uh, the studies that are most compelling are, of course, animal studies, where when you feed them a lot of cholesterol, those, on, those eating saturated fats don't, have, don't get the fatty liver disease, and those eating vegetable oils do. They've done this on um, alcoholism in India. They've done extensive research there and shown that though in India, alcoholics will get cirrhosis of the liver at a much higher rate when they eat more polyunsaturated fat, omega-6 fats from vegetable oils as opposed to saturated fats. And the reason that I kind of touch on this fatty liver disease so much is because it is a problem with a lot of my bigger athletes who try and stay too heavy too often and don't eat the right amount, the right kinds of foods. When I worked with Hofthor and Shaw, I dieted them down almost 40 pounds off of them. Wow. And then, uh, to, to try and get ahead of the fatty liver disease and uh, the uh, high blood sugars so that I could take them back up using the foods that were protective of fatty liver disease. Choline from eggs, six whole eggs a day is about 1,000 milligrams of choline. That's protective of fatty liver disease. The fruit I mentioned is also helps the liver. It helps the thyroid. Uh, so I was able to diet them down, then bulk them back up. And then when Hofthor got up to 455 pounds, he still had normal blood sugars, normal HA1C, wow. normal C-reactive protein. His fasted glucose was 83. He was very healthy. At, at, uh, I'm cautious to say healthy. No 455-pound person is optimally healthy. But for, if we're considering uh, but his, said, his circumstances. In, correct. Yeah. He did not have all of the indicators of fatty liver disease. He did not have high triglycerides. He didn't have high blood sugars. Uh, and he performed better, you know, significantly better result in his body composition improved they look great. Uh, a lot because uh, with, yeah, with fatty liver disease, you end up putting on more fat than muscle. You start partitioning those carbohydrates into fatty storage as opposed into the muscles that you're working. And that's, that's why it's so important that we focus on these, these fundamentals in health. And with that, did you, uh, I saw, cause you mentioned the, the, is it the Tutka supplement, the liver supplement as well? But I was curious. Yes, T-U-D-C-A. Yeah. T, T is in Tom, U, yep. David, C-A. People aren't too terribly familiar with that. But I wasn't and either. NAC, N-acetylcysteine. Well, they're extremely beneficial. And, you know, some of this is, when somebody tells me something works, I try it. And as you know, I get blood tests every single Same. month. And so I try and isolate that and see if it has an effect. I've had many doctors tell me that, that this and that herb or whatever supplement protocol will bring cholesterol down. And I'm like, okay, doc, I'll give it a try for 30 days in isolation without making significantly, you know, other changes that might affect it. And I've never seen much results in terms of triglycerides. Uh, the only thing that's really helped affect triglycerides is reducing blood sugars. Um, yep. And I was able to do that primarily with, you know, more hypertrophy training. The 10-minute walks post-meal had a dramatic effect on triglycerides. But with respect to uh, cholesterol, or, or the liver, the, in particular, the AST and ALT, your liver enzymes, yes. your kind of indicators of liver damage. When you take 
Tudka and NAC, it can dramatically reduce your AST and ALT. And the liver is really important because uh, obviously for so many functions in the body, but uh, if the liver gets sick, the liver converts a lot of or provides the proteins necessary to curry a lot of the minerals into the body yes. as well. So as soon as the liver starts to get damaged, you lose your appetite, you lose your ability to, to transport and, and utilize nutrients. It's, it's huge. It's like the chemist of the body. And if we can keep that healthy, then then uh, everything is improved, body composition included. So I ordered that as soon as I saw that in the book. I ordered that off of Amazon, and I've been on that because my ALT levels have been high this past year for the first time. I'd never had anything that was ever out of range with that, and I've never taken a liver supplement or anything. And I actually got blood work coming up here in the next probably three weeks that since kind of transitioning back over to this style of, of eating and adding that in to see if that comes down. But that's what really intrigued me with that because I'd never had heard of that. So uh, I'm really, really uh, looking forward to see what comes back on my blood work because I'm the same. I, I go and get blood work done regularly because that's the only way I, I personally need. I want to know how I'm doing and what I'm putting into my body, how, how it's reacting to it. But I was really impressed. I saw on you and I had uh, Dr. Thomas O'Connor, the anabolic doc on here last year. And uh, he brought up to me the coronary artery calcium score. And I saw you actually had that yeah. done yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. What Now, when uh, for you, because I, I went and got that done, and I was actually, I came back zero, which because he goes, just Ryan, go get it done. It's the one indicator that, that most guys don't know about. Insurance didn't want to cover it, but it was very inexpensive for, I think it was a hundred and something bucks, if I'm not mistaken. But it, it's so important for so many men. On that. I, when I saw you getting it, I go, man, that was, uh, I was very impressed because that's a lot of people don't know about that. Yeah. You know, it's really important. People reach out to me and, about their cholesterol and they're kind of worried about their numbers. And sometimes, you know, athletes may have an elevated uh, total cholesterol and an elevated LDL and they get a little concerned. I, a, a, a better marker is really your triglyceride to HDL ratio. Yeah. And a lot of athletes who use performance enhancing drugs, particularly Tren and SARMs and Winstrol, those, those markers just get butchered. Your triglycerides skyrocket, your HDL drops into the tank. So that is a, you know, certainly something to be cautious of. But the, the biggest thing about triglycerides is they're a leading indicator for insulin resistance. Your blood sugars and HA1C may be normal, but if your triglycerides are high, it's just a matter of time. That's actually probably the, the most relevant leading indicator that if I can get in front of that there and convince them to start doing the 10 minute walks and to maybe yeah. do some more carb timing and to get better sleep and get their liver function improved because that's going to, and their thyroid function improved is going to have a dramatic effect on, on lipids as well. Then that goes away. One of the big important things about the liver in terms of performance, I know we want to bounce back and forth between health and fitness and they're yeah. two completely different things. Yep. You know, being 450 pounds to compete in strongman uh, is that's the kind of fitness that's required to win that. But that's not necessarily healthy. But with uh, the liver in particular, what I noticed is a lot of the heavy athletes and again, particularly those using performance enhancing drugs will have they'll lose their appetite. And that is the death nail for, you know, a big football player or, you know, strongman or powerlifter yeah. when you lose your appetite because calories are king. And I'm the first to acknowledge vertical diet. I don't care what diet. If you're not eating enough calories, you're losing mass. You're losing strength. I've and that's going to be the first. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's, it's hard to deal with. So 
what I found is, is that first and foremost is when I introduce fruit into the diet and, uh, particularly with some of these big athletes who have to eat a lot of food. I have to be, I have to be careful of their appetite. I got to make sure they can eat enough. That's one of the things I manage with, with the Hofthors and the Shaws of the world is making sure that they can put down enough food to maintain their mass and their workload. And when I introduced fruit and with them, fruit juice, just three or four ounces, this isn't a ton. We're not drinking a gallon of orange juice. What, what kind uh, do you three use? or four ounces orange juice? Meal. That's one I prefer. Okay. Any juicy fruit will have that, that, that effect. It definitely, that too can lower, can help the liver and lower AST and ALT. Okay. I've seen it in blood tests repeatedly, both with myself and with my athletes, even before I was using Tudka and NAC, uh, and improve appetite. So when an athlete goes on, say, an oral steroid before a big powerlifting meet and they lose their appetite, and it's a really, really you know, critical thing that they eat enough food, when they introduce, say, the orange juice, just three or four ounces with each of three meals daily, all of a sudden they can eat again. And what I noticed was, is then their subsequent blood test, their AST and ALT came down as mine did throughout the years when I was competing. So that, that is why I think another reason why fruit is so critical, the Tudka and NAC are, are great. It's another, you know, added benefit, but the, uh, the fruit I think is huge. And then with women who are dieting or men who are dieting, Oranges and potatoes, the two of them, are the two highest satiety foods on the satiety index. They keep you full longer. So I use orange juice with guys that are trying to gain weight and need a lot of appetite. And I use oranges with people, women in particular, are trying to lose weight. That keeps them full and it gives them energy. It raises their body temperature. And so they have more energy. And the potato, of course, with the potassium is also a high satiety food, the highest on the index. So now you're not hungry all the time, but you're getting micronutrients that also give you energy. So there's, there's a win-win there. And you, and you explain all of this in that book, The Vertical Diet there. Stan, I, was, I wanted to ask you too, over the years for you, um, your style of training, because you, you're one of the true freaks on this planet, just an incredibly strong human being. Has your training, has it, how has it evolved over the years and has it changed much here recently or no? Well, with powerlifting, I always just lifted as heavy as I could. Yeah. I'm still a big believer that you got to take your body somewhere it hasn't been before and that it's just a stimulus. I tried to manage overtraining mostly by being really disciplined outside the gym. Uh, sleep, obviously, which I talk about in great extent and getting a CPAP if you're snoring and waking up tired and have apnea. And, you know, the nutrition, I pack my meals everywhere I go. I take my thermos. I take frozen meals on the road. And yep. I just got back from Russia. I took five thermos. It was a 20-hour flight. I had five hot meals. I sat <laughs> eating Monster Mash. Yep. Every three or four hours the whole trip, I was getting my 1,000 calories of Monster Mash. I didn't lose a single pound. I went there and squatted you know, 500 for reps, and I, I wasn't tired. A little bit of jet lag here and there, but it didn't affect my performance because I was so well-fed and, and uh, hydrated. So I'm really disciplined with respect to that, and that's powerlifting. You, I also believe uh, powerlifting. I don't think benefited bodybuilding in any way, shape, or okay. form. Uh, bodybuilding is a completely different sport. I think that you're going to need to do more volumizing, more sets, more reps, more volume, more uh, mind muscle, uh, more isolation, more range of motion. Uh, and I, I didn't know that until I trained with Flex Wheeler in 2008. So I, I was never as good a bodybuilder as I probably could have been throughout the first 20 years of my competing yeah. because I constantly tried to be a strong bodybuilder. I thought lifting heavy weights was going to make me bigger. And there's some benefit to that, but it's not optimal. And yeah. so since 2008, when I'm doing hypertrophy training, I do it with greater ranges of motion, more volume, more frequency, 
shorter rest periods, you know, around 90 seconds, certainly under two minutes. And, you know, that's, that's much better for, for bodybuilding. But having said that, bodybuilding very much helped powerlifting. And here's something really? that I want to get across to, yeah, this is something I want to get across to strongmen and powerlifters in particular. You shouldn't stay heavy all the time, yeah. just like you shouldn't lift heavy all the time. Because when you stay heavy, when you're force feeding yourself too much food too often, you eventually it's, it's really hard to prevent some fatty liver disease or elevation of blood sugars. It, it's really difficult to prevent those things long term because you're going to gain a little bit of fat with the muscle and eventually that fat is going to start partitioning nutrients into fatty storage and, and, and give off. a. We used to think fat was dormant in the body, but we find out now it has its own hormonal hormonal milieu, if that's how you pronounce that. And it will convert testosterone into estrogen and it will increase hunger. Uh, and so bodybuilding helped because I would powerlift and bodybuild much the same way Eddie Cohn did throughout his career. He would only compete in powerlifting twice a year. And then in between those, he would do a lot more volume and frequency of bodybuilding style movements, which was great for balancing the body out and, and shoring up weaknesses, et cetera. But just bringing down your body fat percentage from time to time, like I talked earlier about with Hawthor, when he came to me at 435 pounds, he said, Stan, I'm getting fatter. I'm not getting stronger. And so we did the blood work and we saw some problems in there in terms of metabolic syndrome. So I took 40 pounds off of him, resensitized his body, and then we slingshotted him back up to 450 without all of those problems. And now he's dieted back down again. So we, just like you would deload from powerlifting training every four weeks or so, you, you would do a light week. You should deload from mass building, you know, diets and you should, you should burn off a little bit of fat, diet down, lose. I think the, the ideal number is about 7% of your total body weight. And if Hofdor was 430 pounds, then about 30 pounds was about 7% yeah. of his total body weight. I and wonder, that really resensitizes the body. I wonder, cause I've talked about that too, on different points on here with, with social media too. And like back in, if you look at, you know, like when Arnold competed and, and different peer, different guys of that, they would they would look drastically different throughout the year. They weren't always the same look all the time. Whereas I feel like maybe today, and I know for me too, even just like people have an expectation of what you should look like. And I, I want, I oftentimes wonder if because of social media and how much we're all seeing now, if that doesn't make it harder for the athletes and like today's powerlifters and bodybuilders where they're, they're so accessible and they're seen so much that if that mentally isn't something that they go through where they, they want to, keep that look more, more permanent. Oh, hundred percent. I see this and it happens on, in all, in all ranges, bodybuilding figure, physique, bikini, powerlifting, strongman. A lot of the powerlifters are lifting too heavy, too often. Yeah. They're putting up new PRs every week and that can obviously lead to injury long-term and central nervous system overload. And so I do think that they need to cycle their training. I see it with men's physique and classic bodybuilding that they'll try and stay too hard too often. And they, it, it comes at the sacrifice of being any long-term, uh, see it in others trying to stay in weight classes. Eddie Cohn started out competing at 165 and ultimately finished at 242. If you're constantly dieting down and cutting water and, and to stay in a weight class, I think you limit your long-term potential. And if you're a physique guy and you put on a little bit of muscle and then immediately diet it off, uh, for a show or for a, a weekend photo shoot on Instagram, uh, the likelihood you're going to maintain any of that long term is pretty slim. 
you have to reach a new set point and you have to stay there for a while so that you have ownership of that. You don't own it when you first get to, if you're a 185 pound guy and you get to 200, you don't own that yet. You have to struggle to stay there. And then you have to try and maybe recomp at that weight, increase lean body mass and decrease fat until you can get conditioned at that weight. Maybe you have to settle with a four pack for a while, uh, but it will change. If I had that mentality, I never would have gotten past 140 pounds in college. I bulked all the way up to over 300 pounds uh, 10 years later uh, and ultimately competed on stage to get my pro card at 254 pounds. That would not have happened if I hadn't, uh, you know, utilized this method of this slingshotting method of bulking up. I'm not talking about dirty bulks. I'm not talking about pizza, pasta and pancakes and gallon of milk a day. I tried that. I got fat. Yeah. And so from personal experience, I'll tell you there's a better way. And that's kind of what's in the vertical diet is a way to gain that mass and put on more muscle than fat. Yep. Although you will gain some fat with muscle and you will lose some muscle with fat when you're dieting. So the goal is, is to try and hold on to that muscle uh, using you know these better diets on both ends of the spectrum. And again, I can tell you firsthand, just being back in the gym three weeks, just everything, just how I look and feel and seeing my body fat has not significantly gone up during this. And, but I'm noticing... My body is bouncing back for the first time after these 14 stem cell procedures and switching. This is the happiest I've been because I can physically see these changes and with my body and the improvements in my metabolism. So I, I, think, I think it's absolutely amazing yeah, you, what you've done. You, you know what I want to touch on there? Because one of the things I've done since I've stopped competing, when I was competing, I had a lot of injuries, obviously. I had, you know, knees were sore, hips were sore, elbows were sore. It's kind of unavoidable yeah. when you're putting yourself through that kind of workload. But since I stopped competing for many years, I continued to try and go to the gym and, and lift as much as I could, you know. But what I found is, is that when I backed off a little bit and I started to focus on health first, I had chronic tendonitis in my knees for 10 years. Uh, I had every injection in my knees you can imagine, stem cells and, and uh, prolotherapy and uh, BPC-157 and TB-500. Uh, you name it, I was injecting it into my knees to try and get them better. And I realized, you know, some minor benefits here and there. I got to be honest with you, and I'll, you know, I'll ask you for your opinion on this. I really felt that, that when I introduced three things, one was vitamin D3, yep. one was sodium and potassium. Uh, when we know potassium works for people with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, so it is a huge benefit for joints. Sodium in particular was huge for my joints. And then the movement protocol that I talk about in there, the little 10-minute walks or the recumbent bike, just 10 minutes of HIIT training three times a day. The frequency matters. Yeah pumping tons and tons and tons of blood into my joints. My joints feel better. And I guess that's what I wanted to ask you is, is, is do you feel better now training your joints and everything? Yeah, this is so. And again, it, it's a culmination for me. I think it, this whole journey for me has been in being able to have access to guys like Andrew Locke years ago, who helped me with my back and shoulder before I even started the stem cell procedures that led me not to get the five disc fusion and the shoulder replacement and doing this show and, and meeting guys like Dr. Bo Hightower and people such as yourself and these in uh, Trevor Bachmeyer over with Smashworks and adding some of these different things into my routine and in this rehab program for me, this is all, it's crazy how this, the vertical diet all came into this. And it, I think in having my final stem cell procedures over in Columbia with bioaccelerator on my back, shoulder and leg, it's almost like the perfect storm of putting these pieces together for me. And I've been able to get my health back. And I think 100% it has played a part in it because 
I know how I felt doing these other things, doing the other diets, and I have drastically improved and feel significantly better. Now, do I think the stem cells have played a part in that? Absolutely. And I have to give credit to those because they have helped. But I think it's a culmination of different things. And as we know, diet is extremely important. And to me, that was the missing thing that I had altered these past three years trying to different, do different health things. My diet got away from what was already pretty point on before that. And I tried these different things. And I think that was the one missing piece. So I would say yes. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I thought I got some benefit from all the things I injected into my knees, to be honest with you. But it wasn't until I realized it wasn't any one thing. It's the culmination of many things. It was the sodium. It was the rehab. It was the injections. It was the potassium. uh, It was the movement protocol. Obviously, avoiding the the damage and just just trying to avoid pain, you know, find pain-free movements. Yes. Uh, I feel I'm, I'm almost 52 I'm still squatting over 600 pounds, walked out, no knee wraps, no sleeves. I have no pain. I feel amazing. I've got extraordinary energy. I just got back from five days in in Moscow. I travel all over the world. I've been in 10 countries and 40 states in the last 18 months. And I've got two kids at home. And I've I've had one cold in the last over three and a half years that prevented me from getting my workout in. And I trained the next day. So all of these things, I think, really contribute to uh, your improvement in performance if you if you it's a lot of little things it's the cpap it's yeah. the micronutrients it's the sodium it's the the frequent you know movement the 10 minute walks etc uh, all of these things i think have to be done in concert to give you the benefit i think people are always looking for one quick yeah. fix or they're trying to outsource to someone else to have something done to them or for them. And I really think it's within you to put all these things together, get a checklist out. You know, I took my D3 today. I took my magnesium. I got my three 10 minute walks. I got my fruit in today. I got a couple whole eggs. I, I got my potassium in today. You know, I, I trained and all of these things, I think go on a checklist and none of them work exclusively by themselves. You should do all of them. And it's work. And that's the one thing I know, like for me, in getting the stem cells they, they've helped me, but there's been a lot of work in that of daily rehab. And that's like Andrew Locke I'm working with right now. He has me on this shoulder. Uh, my back is like, I, this is the, my back is pain-free for the first time. I needed a five disc fusion. I have no issues. I just finally started squatting and deadlifting again. Just went up. I did 10 sets with 315 the other day, just working on my form. Cause I hadn't done them in a couple of years. There were three years almost and, and rebuilding myself now. But in that daily, like my shoulder, I had a lot of at, uh, lat atrophy, scapular, rear scapular atrophy and different things. And yeah. doing all the rehab in the world yep. wasn't actually helping me with even with the stem cells. Andrew Locke has found, I always had bicep tendon issues, but it was these weakened muscles. And through him doing these things, it's every day. It's my workout thing's about Man, four hours a day, nail. but it's work. And you got to, it's a culmination yes. of applying ourselves, I feel like. And there's no easy... I, if I just would have gone and just got the stem cell procedures and sat, you know what? I'm just going to drink beer all day. I'm going to just live comfortable for a bit and let the stem cells do the. I wouldn't be sitting here how I am today, now back in the gym and contemplating going back to wrestling because I'm 100%. paying for it. 100%. Yeah. So I think that's the thing with people is we have to apply ourselves and there's not an easy fix to anything. And if we, you got to want it. And But I think diet and how we feel is... is at the core of all this, because if we don't feel good, we're not going to do a lot of the other things we need to do. And having the energy no. I have now, I train, like I said, three and a half, four hours doing everything I'm doing. I get it done, get up at 5 a.m. every day, and I, I stand. I, I don't get tired, no naps. I go from morning to night, and it's 
I, I honestly truly believe it. This diet is playing a big part of it. So that's amazing. You know, you hit on so many things there, but when you and I met up at uh, Iron Addicts, it's been some months ago yeah. now, and you were you were a little frustrated at the time yeah. you know, that you had these injuries that were preventing you from doing the things you wanted to do, and then you saw me at fifty years old, yeah. over there squatting, you know, five hundred plus pounds for reps, and telling you I have no pain, and this is from somebody who. For 10 years, I had chronic pain in my shoulders, in my hip, in my knees while I was tra- competing, and it's gone, completely gone for all the reasons that you just said. I was doing, you know, like I tore my rotator cuff. I can't bench very much anymore as a result, but I couldn't pick a dish up and put it in the cupboard. I could yeah. hardly pick my kids up. And for, I can't tell you, it feels like for years, I just tolerated it. I did my little rotator cuff exercises <laughs> and find it, you know. It wasn't until I ran into, I went to a starting strength seminar with Mark Ripito, and he showed me how to do an overhead press pain-free, and that gave me the opportunity to build the muscle necessary for me to move my arm pain-free, because much like you, I had atrophied muscles in my deltoids because I couldn't move them because of the pain from my uh, rotator cuff, which is just tiny little muscles that I don't care how much you train your rotator cuff muscles, this infraspinatus and supraspinatus, they're never going to lift anything over your head. That's not what they're for. They're tiny little things. Yeah. So once I strengthen my deltoid muscles using this different technique of his, uh, and you can look up Mark Ripito's overhead press and see the way that he angles his hands and the way that he shrugs so he rotates the scapula so the humerus doesn't, doesn't impinge on the scapula anymore. Uh, I was able to, within just a couple of months, I went from barely being able to press the bar depressing 225 for reps. Now my shoulder is up. I can do anything. I want. Uh, so same thing was true with the back. As you mentioned, if you're inactive because your back hurts, then you're creating more long-term problems. Yes. You have to build the muscles. And, and the only way to do that is by being able to move your, your, your back without pain, finding pain-free movements and continuing to move. The biggest thing people do mistakenly, and unfortunately, this is pervasive in the physical therapy and chiropractic world, and even medical doctors, they start advising people to stretch, touch their toes, twist their spine, and then the pain never goes away. It's, it's you keep picking the scab. I just worked with uh, Eric Spoto, you know, world record press, former world record bench holder, 722. He hurt his back, and for months, like six months, he was going to physical therapy, and every single time, they were twisting his legs one way and his torso the other and, and getting him to touch his toes. And the pain wouldn't go away. It was to the point where he was depressed about it. He was really, really? frustrated. Yeah. So I sent him uh, Dr. Stuart McGill's stuff and, and the, the, uh, the Gift of Injury by Brian Carroll, yeah. uh, the collaboration. And he stopped stretching his back. He started doing the st- core stabilization exercises, yeah. the planks and side planks. Now, within two months of, of getting that information, he's back to arm wrestling. He feels great. Wow. So, you know, I did a rant uh, called I Broke My Back where I talk about it in more detail, but it's, you know, you lived it. And when you and I were talking at Iron Addicts, I could see it in your eyes. And I told you, yeah. uh, dude, we, we got to get together because this is, this is not your reality. This is not yeah. your future. The body is regenerative, yep. not degenerative. And I don't care what your problem is. Don't identify yourself as, uh, as deficient in that nature yeah. because you can overcome it. And we've, you and I have suffered some serious injuries yeah. in our time and now we feel better than ever so yeah no that's what and thank you that was the other and brian carroll that's again this is one of the cool things that i tell people for me doing this show 
is it's for me it's a diary of my life and something I'm going to continue doing because I, I love being able to have interactions with such great minds. And, and for me, it's been, I think the greatest thing from this for me is letting go of the ego and realizing you don't know shit and being open to talking to different individuals, people that have overcome amazing things. And because like we said, we can learn something from everybody on this planet. And this show has led me from like person to person of forming these relationships that has helped me get my life back. And like you mentioned that book by Brian Carroll, I went and bought it right away. I read that book. I got Brian on the show and I stopped stretching. Brian was the one I was stretching every day still for 30 to 45 oh, minutes. It was causing man. me so many problems, Stan, that I didn't. And because of wrestling, I always thought it, that I needed to be, now I needed to warm up and be active and, and do certain things. But I just always thought that I didn't start really stretching until wrestling because I saw everybody else do it. And I go, well, I need to be stretching. And it, for me, it went against everything I was doing. And it was causing a lot of problems. When you say that, it's just like, I just remember looking back and being in so much pain and just going through routines and stretching every morning when I woke up in my hotel room and being in more pain and like, just thinking like, oh, my body's just, my body's just messed up. But those active warmups and those, the big three in that book, those things are the things that have actually produced results for me and, and created stability and taken the pain away. So I can't thank you enough because as soon as, I, I, that day was a big, I, that was before my stem cell procedures, the final ones, but it was, I was in a, in a place cause I, I had exhausted a lot of different things. And like I said, rehab routines every day and it, it mentally, it becomes very frustrating. And I never got to the point where I ever remotely thought about quitting, but I was like, was there anything else I can do? So, and luckily in coming across, it, it did, it gave me great hope seeing someone like yourself and these other people and Brian the things they've overcome, I'm like, well, fuck, if they can do it, I know I can. I'm not squatting 1,200 pounds. I know I can fucking come back from this. So, and, and here we are. So I thank you deeply for everything. And I, yeah, I, you know, I, I have to follow up a little bit on that. I did a video about stretching, uh, whether it's good or bad. And of course, physical therapists yep. chimed in on my YouTube telling me I was a meathead. And I didn't know what I was talking about. The research is extensive and it's conclusive. The folks at Barbell Medicine have talked about this in depth. Cochrane has done, and those people who know the Cochrane Collaboration is the kind of the preeminent research group throughout the world, one of the most reliable. They've done the research and they've shown that there's clearly no benefit to stretching. It's not effective as a warm-up. It's not effective for improving recovery. Uh, it's not effective for performance. Um, and I'm talking about the static holds for 30 seconds. Yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, dynamic stuff and, you know, swinging your arms around and that's warming up. Yeah. I'm talking about static hold stretching and it's, it really has been shown to be adverse in its, in, in its effects for performance, uh, and for injury. There's no benefits for injury. Cochrane has studied this. Barbell medicine has extensive research on this. Anybody who wants to DM me at Stan Efforting. I'll give you all the research so you don't have to wonder that, you know, please don't let your chiropractor, your physical therapist yeah. bend your spine. Just yeah. stop with all that. Okay. I'm, I, this is a public service announcement from Stan Efforting. I've stopped all that. I've honestly, <laughs> it, it's, I, I'm telling you firsthand, I, I did all of that and it's, and I've took it all out because I was like, well, I have nothing to lose at this point. I've tried all this other stuff and this is, it's no coincidence, but I, I honestly stand, I started too with. We got my YouTube channel going a few months ago, and I'm gonna. I had CT Fletcher on here. I'm gonna shoot out to California here. I've been back in the gym three weeks, and I'm getting my footing and getting myself back just to a certain level. But uh, we hired a videographer, and I'm gonna start doing 
uh, Feed Me More Fitness where I go and, and do, I want other people to put me through the paces where I have, I get no say in anything. I just go and other people put me to the test. It would be an honor though, hopefully here to be able to link up and, and, to, and to train with you and because man, you're, you're something special and you've helped me tremendously. So anytime brother, we're in the same town. I just yeah. say really quick that that article I was talking about is on barbellmedicine.com. Okay. It's called mobility explained by Michael Ray, mobility explained by Michael Ray. And, you know, you said something interesting about constantly learning. You know, I've been in this industry for 30 years, and I don't presume to think that I know everything. Matter of fact, the more I learn, the more I know I don't know. That's why last year I went to Mark Ripito's starting strength seminar, and I, he taught me all about the physics behind uh, squatting. Uh, and I studied physics and kinesiology in college and chemistry and, and uh, you know, a whole, whole host of things that, that didn't, t- didn't teach me what Mark Ripito taught me. And then earlier this year, I went to a, a barbell medicine seminar with uh, Jordan Fagenbaum and, and Austin Baraki, two brilliant minds who are also, they're MDs, but they compete in powerlifting at a reasonably high level. They're pretty strong yeah. fuckers. They both deadlift damn near 700 pounds wow. or over. Yeah. And these are natural guys that are MDs that work in the field. And I learned a lot from them about this pain research uh, in, extensively about that. Uh, that they teach. And so, uh, and then just this year I went and, and studied the NSCA manual and got my CSCS, my certified strength and conditioning coach, uh, license. And I'm working on my ISSN, my certified nutrition specialist with the international society of sports nutrition. So, uh, always keep learning. You're doing a great service there for folks that are listening to you by uh, getting people on. I don't claim to know everything, but I, I know what I know yeah. and I know what's worked for me. And, and, uh, obviously you've, you've seen some some benefits as a result. And a lot of the different resources that you brought on the show are, are just awesome. The names you've mentioned are extraordinary. So uh, I'm excited for what you're doing. Thank you, Stan. And I do want to say, I always close out every interview here. I know you're busy as well. And we, I think you just touched on it, but I, it, maybe it's something different. I always ask everybody for one piece of uh, advice that has helped you the most in your life uh, for our listeners. I always like to kind of close it with that. If you can narrow it down to one thing. Oh, my God. It's not one thing. If you've got apnea, you get a CPAP. If you're uh, meal prep, man, I tell you, my traveling is so freaking easy. People always ask me, how do you do it? You're on a plane every Friday through Sunday. You know, I'm in two cities uh, on most weekends in two different states. I just pack my food into my thermos and I take my frozen vertical meals. You know, there's a plug for my company, (laughs) my Monster Mash, my world's strongest Monster Mash. And I throw a bunch of frozen meals into my luggage. And I stay at a place with a fridge and microwave. And even if you're a busy mom and you're a real estate agent working out of your trunk and you got to go pick the kids up at school and take them to piano practice, if you've got a thermos or two in your purse or in your bag and you throw it in your car, you never have to worry about uh, you know, what, when you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, and you're always eating the foods that you enjoy. Meal prep is the number one um, indicator of successful dieters. Whether you prep or we prep for you, it doesn't matter failing to plan is planning to fail. And so I think that's going to be the huge thing in terms of because weight loss is 99% diet. It's not your exercise. I promise you that the research does not support that it's 99% diet. So get your diet, right? Plan ahead. Use the little thermos off Amazon. I don't make any money saying that I I promote it. I certainly make money if you buy my meals, but whatever, make your own, whatever it takes. Meal prep is the bomb. I'm sure you're doing that when you travel. It's just critical. A guy your size, you know, that's probably the biggest thing I do for my athletes is, is manage the logistics, help them, them have what they need when they need it. So that's my biggie. Preparation is key. I love it. And that it's, that was the hardest thing too on being on the road was, is adjusting and eating, but it's being home is great and, and not having to live on the road full time is, 
definitely made life a lot easier. Stan, you're Stan Efforting yep. on Instagram, correct? That's correct. StanEfferting.com is my website. Stan Efferting's on YouTube, at Stan Efferting on Instagram. And StanEfferting at Yahoo.com is my email if you want to send me an email. Good deal. Well, Stan, thank you very much for your time. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. We'll be right back after these messages. What's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback, and I want to tell you guys about this exciting new company I'm working with. Recently, I've been dealing with pain in both my back and shoulder, as you know, and other areas of the body. Recently, I've been doing the stem cell therapy here in the United States, but I decided I wanted to take my recovery up a notch, and that's when I came across a stem cell facility located in Medellin, Colombia, called BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the global leader in stem cell therapy. They offer a state-of-the-art medical facility with the ability to treat patients with tens of millions of active adult stem cells to help them recover from injury and major medical complications. BioAccelerator currently offers treatments for a variety of conditions ranging from orthopedic injury, spine and disc injury, chronic pain, ED, and even severe autoimmune disease. BioAccelerator also has something for you men and women out there who are looking to stay in the game and keep yourself looking young and feeling youthful. Ask about their anti-aging and rejuvenation treatments as well. I will be tracking my progress as I go through the treatment, as you guys have seen with BioAccelerator, and giving you, the audience, updates as I heal and overcome these injuries on my journey back to the ring. If you or someone you know suffers from a life of pain or complications due to a major medical condition, join the likes of UFC Hall of Famer Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, WWE stars like Kevin Nash, Rey Mysterio, and myself. You can contact BioAccelerator directly, guys. Ask for my personal friend, David Truitt, he's the one who has reached out to me and helped me from the very beginning. He will help you through the consultation process with the same level of care and expertise as he did for me. Start your path to wellness and become a BioX man or BioX woman today at www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback Reeves. That's BioAccelerator. B-I-O-X-C-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-O-R www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback dash Reeves. You've heard us talk about Real Good Foods before on the podcast and just how much I love their Real Good Pizzas and Enchiladas. Now Real Good Foods also has their new poppers, which are a super low-carb cross between a chicken nugget and a jalapeno popper. All of their foods are low-carb, grain-free, gluten-free, and keto-friendly. Most items have as low as 3 to 4 grams of carbs per serving. From their chicken crust pizza, enchiladas, cauliflower crust pizzas, snack bite pizzas, and poppers, you can't go wrong with anything from Real Good Foods. All items are available at realgoodfoods.com, on Amazon, and in retail locations all over the country, with a store locator on their website. Save 10% with discount code RYBACK off of realgoodfoods.com. Real Good Foods. Feed me more. All right, we are back. We've got Raj Geary here this week with the Wrestling Report with Wrestling Inc. How you doing, Raj? Good, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Busy, healthy, and nice. uh, going hard. So up at 5 a.m. <laughs> every day and uh, the life of a, of a entrepreneur and trying to do other things as well. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah, I hear you. Uh, sleep is uh, 
Sleep is for later in life. Yeah. I get to bed, actually. I, I'm an old man now. I get to bed by like 10. It's, oh, nice. This, which is unheard of for a wrestler. I, it took me years because up so late driving every night. But I've uh, the 5 a.m. club by Robin Sharma, uh, this author, has changed me. Yeah. I, I make a little bit better use. Of, go to bed a little earlier, get up early, and just... Cut out any relaxing time at night and just work now nonstop. Yeah, I, on my off nights, I try to get to bed by ten or eleven. But these now with these Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, those are one a.m. and been yeah, waking up at six. So just never ending. But I know. And uh, speaking of which, this week was uh, one of the busier weeks we'll have in a while. We had Hell in a Cell. The SmackDown debut was last week uh, on Fox. AEW again versus NXT. AEW with another victory. Uh, let's start off with the SmackDown on Fox debut. Uh, it was a successful show. We had about 3.9 million viewers, not as uh, big as a lot of people were expecting. They did advertise a lot of huge names that did not end up appearing on the show. The only one was The Rock. Steve Austin had been advertised, uh, The Undertaker, Sting, Goldberg, you know, all these legends. Uh, some of those guys were shown at ringside, like Goldberg was shown as ringside, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, but never appeared in the ring. Austin never appeared at all. Fans were upset after the show. They were chanting for Austin. There were some AEW chants. You know, WWE advertising something and not following up is something that they, you know, they've done many, many times. But usually when they got a big name like a Steve Austin or The Rock, they come through with it. Were you surprised that they didn't have Austin on the show? Was he actually at the show as well? It doesn't seem like it. He had sent out an Instagram where it, it looked like he was watching SmackDown from home. Undertaker later posted on Instagram that he was told that he was not needed. So he was wow. not at the show either. Sting was there. Uh, Goldberg was there. Sting, they never showed on camera. But uh, the uh, Austin and Taker were not there. So, again, now it, it's extremely difficult producing these shows and with the talent they have and, and everything. But I think it was, personally, I think it was a huge missed opportunity for several things. I think with Fox, I under, I loved the Rock segment. I thought they did a, a phenomenal job of giving two talent the rub of having being in the ring with the Rock, and everyone did that. That segment was great. Now knowing what we know that supposedly there were these other names, I think you missed a huge opportunity to have a Rock Austin moment, which storyline wise with their past having Austin out there in some capacity, whether you know what I mean. I think that that could have been a way to get to get Austin uh, on that deal. And I think they missed a huge opportunity with Sting and Goldberg to have some interaction, which has had talk. Not to say they have to do anything to pay it off, but just having them simply in the ring together with those entrances, I thought they missed a huge opportunity with that personally. Um, but again, it's very difficult. These They had Hell in a Cell two days later. This is the problem when you have too much TV that – and they have all this talent. They are scrambling last minute just to try to make sense of anything, which more often than not, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, you have Goldberg there. You have Kurt Angle. You have all these big names, It would, which I'm okay with them being ringside on that. It makes it a big deal you, It's that these guys are there watching. All that All that was good. I just think it's, it's tough because you want to get your talent on the show what it's going to be. But when you have names of that big, and I'm sure they paid some of those guys, you know, a fair amount of money to be there. To maybe maximize their their TV time a little better, but I mean it is what it is. And again, the ratings. I think the rating could have been better had they done something with Sting and Undertaker and having Austin not being on the show after his appearance with, with the reaction that he got. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. That that to me is that just should show everybody how unorganized everything is. That the biggest star in the history of the business, point blank, he is. 
and still getting better reactions than the whole roster, by the way. Yeah. That you don't figure him in with Rock in there. Like, unless there was something going on politically where they, you know, but those guys, they love each other. They could have incorporated Austin into that segment very, very easily, and it only would have made it better. Yeah, and I feel like uh, they missed an opportunity with Sting and Taker. They've never done anything with either of those guys together in WWE. That would have been an awesome spot to do. have them in the ring, and then Bray Wyatt comes in, takes him out, does something. So you build up Bray Wyatt. You yes. have those two legends, an awesome visual of Sting and Taker. It could have been huge. And, uh, you know, I wrote on Wrestling Inc. before I thought before the show with all these stars they had advertised, I thought it was going to do four and a half to five million viewers. After I saw the show, I was like, ah, it's going to be like three and a half to four. Yeah. And it, it fell in there. I think there's going to be a big fall this week. Probably going to see 3.2, 3.3, somewhere in there. But they're still going to have to draft. And then we'll see next week. I think in November, we're going to start seeing where the SmackDown numbers really are. Uh, you know, they're artificially inflated right now, and, and we'll see where it settles. But you hit the nail on the head, and you just said something right there, and I think it's important for everybody to know, and this goes again back to me talking about WWE's business model. You said right there with Sting and Undertaker and a missed opportunity with Bray Wyatt, The Fiend. That stuff in the past, and this is this is what they're going to end up, they're, they're biting themselves in the ass doing this, is they're not using those past names to give to the rub to these guys because they don't want that would make the fiend that much more over if he there would have been a segment where and just say it is the undertaker that he takes out and then you hit sting's music who makes the save but the he disappears and you have a moment with sting and undertaker you can make anything make sense but it makes the fiend it brings him up to that level of character right there instantly that that he is that type type of character and it paints that picture very easily for the fans. And the fact that they're not they're not doing this with today's talent is really, really, it's only hurting themselves. And I think, again, it leads to AEW that if they go with the, the, the business model of creating marquee names, it's going to take them time. They can eventually beat WWE or force WWE to shift their model back to creating megastars, which is my whole issue with the business right now as it stands. Yeah. I had mentioned the SmackDown ratings. Raw this week, it, it was down 9% uh, from last week, uh, you know, coming off the disastrous Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. But actually, there was a, a lot of interest. When WWE does something epically bad, there is more interest than when they have a good show. So there was uh, a lot of things trending, like canceled WWE Network after Hell in the Cell. Yeah. But uh, Raw ended up doing 2.3 million viewers, down 9% from last week's 2.571. Actually, not a bad number for what they've been doing lately. Um, I'm guessing that's going to go down next week as well. And then AEW and NXT, both also down. NXT down four weeks in a row. Uh, Dynamite, you know, they had a ton of hype last week. They dropped 29% from TNT alone uh, with 1.018 million viewers. Uh, NXT did 790,000 viewers. So Dynamite topped NXT by 29%. And I'm sorry, Dynamite actually dropped 28%. But they were also on True TV. You, you add in the True TV viewership that was on at the same time it was on true tv because there was a baseball game and there was a chance that if the baseball game got uh, delayed that it, you know that it wouldn't air on tnt it only air on true tv but uh with the true tv airing dynamite did 1.14 million viewers topping nxt by 44 percent in the prime demo on tnt alone uh it beat nxt by 109 percent in the 18 to 49 demographics so a big, you know, double-digit drop from last week, but still uh, beating NXT by quite a bit. Ryback, your thoughts on this week, and what's WWE going to do? 
I so I, I again watched the majority uh, AEW, and personally for me, like I said, I tuned into NXT there the first couple weeks, and I actually flipped over one time just to see, and went right back to AEW. For me, from a personal interest standpoint, NXT has zero interest to me, just for from from my career wise, like it's not. So it, to me, it's WWE, AEW. If I do anything pro wrestling wise ever again, in my opinion, with everything I got going on, so that's I'm watching everything they're doing very carefully, just from a personal standpoint. And you know, the debut episode, they, they came in with that strong number. I think again, still a good number. They're beating NXT at the end of the day between the two shows in pretty handedly still. So. Uh, and I thought they put on put on another really really good show. I'm digging the whole AEW vibe. Quite frankly, it really reminds me of WCW Nitro in a good way. Yeah. And uh, and I do need to mention. I think AEW the best thing they have done thus far is putting Tony Schiavone on commentary. He is so fucking good at his job. And, and I'm telling you, he makes Jim Ross better with because Jim and him. And I say that from the standpoint, and Jim is is unbelievable. Jim was lost, in my opinion, with the younger guys, mm-hmm. in a way. Absolutely. Jim and, and Tony are two guys around the same era. They just vibe really, really well. And with the one younger guy with them, that is a great formula that is working really, really well. The broadcast on TV is so much better to me than the pay-per-views they were doing from the commentary yeah. alone. And Tony, yeah. yeah. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's just a level of comfort that I when I see him and for me and my and like watching as a kid, and Tony's still young and he's and he's all there mentally. I he that was the best pickup for that company, personally, in my opinion. I agree. I think they got the best announced team right now. Uh, Tony is so smooth. He doesn't seem like he's not familiar with anyone. Like with Jim Ross, sometimes you'll hear him talk and you can tell he doesn't have the same enthusiasm for the current talent like he used to have for yes. the older talent. But with Tony you don't get that at all. He treats them the same way he would, you know, he, he treats Sammy Guevara, you know, watching him the same way he treated Goldberg match back in yes. Nitro. He's he's really good. Uh, and in some ways, the most impressive uh, commentator right now. I he know elevates the talent more. that he's talking about. And he, but he has a, se- a, a sense of legitimacy to him because he's called so much wrestling before. And he, it's, it's as if he has not missed a beat. Yeah, it, like he he's not been on TV for what twenty years or fifteen years or something crazy. Yeah, he did a few things for MLW. Uh, yeah, but that was it. And, yeah. and obviously, he's had his podcast. And, and but I met just a hell of a pickup. Like I enjoy listening their commentary team. Like that to me, Jim Ross and him together, it it, it it's a good combination. So that to me yeah. is I'm hoping in the way that AEW is producing their show. And again, it's going to take time to build up the talent and everything. But I think they have they have done as good of a job as you could possibly do. From what we were hearing and from them doing the, the one-off pay-per-views, that was an entirely different feel that I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. And we, that's why I would say we'd have to wait to see how they, they do their TV show. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the way they're running everything right now. I agree. And I think one of the highlights, uh, one of the highlights on Wednesday night was not a match. It was Chris Jericho's promo. Yes. Uh, he owned that crowd. Uh, he took he took a shot at WWE. They were chanting uh, "We the People." He had Jack, you know, Jack, the former Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, with him. Fans were chanting "We the People." Jericho. Uh, let me let me pull up his exact quote, but he just shut that crowd down. He, and he was just he got the group over. He made them all look like stars in in one segment. 
Uh, everything felt like a big deal. Uh, yeah, when the fans were chanting, we the people, Jericho said, we the people sucks and it's dead and buried. It was a stupid idea from bad creative and all of that's gone. Uh, he t switched the list around. He said all of these stable members are on his list. You know, so it's now the list is a good, a good thing. thing. Yeah. And he just owned that. I mean, just owned that segment, came across as such a superstar and elevated all those guys. Uh, this is what promos are supposed to do. It's not unscripted. Uh, it felt natural. And it was just, it was awesome. And again, so I'm sure they had some bullet points going out on what the, they needed to get out there. And right. this, is, this is the part of what I've been, we've been talking about. It's been missing in WWE. And I know firsthand for being told never acknowledge the crowd and things of that nature, especially like with the Goldberg chants. And I would do it on live events and get huge reactions and it would work and it would shut it right down. But on TV, unfortunately, not allowed to play that game. If you did, you wouldn't get promos anymore, which I was unfortunately had that happen to me as well. Right there is a perfect example of with Chris. Uh, man, he's, it, he's on top of his game. He's always been on top of his game. But Chris has a really great mind where he knows whoever he surrounds himself with, you could surround him with dog shit. He's going to elevate dog shit. Like that's just, and, and that's not saying those guys are dog shit. I'm just saying how good Chris is at having, having a great wrestling mind. And he put himself, and I'm sure he had some say on the guys that he got put around him with this here. And you got the big muscle with Swagger, with Hager. You got you got the, the hottest fucking Sammy Guevara, as uh, Chris said, <laughs> which is he might be the only guy that could say that about another guy and not come across weird how he just, he, he makes it hilarious. And then you got the tag team and, and the the pit bulls and the thugs and, and LAX, and and it's it's a great combination. But what we saw there is Chris. They had a direction, and then the crowd started something. And Chris, without a hitch, just went ahead and used that to further that direction. And that is what is missing from pro wrestling. The crowd wants to be acknowledged, which is why the crowd makes noise. So if the crowd makes noise and they're not acknowledged. They get angry, and that's where crazy, stupid chants start and other things that have nothing to do with the matches going on because they're rebelling against the foundation of the company and their business model. That's not going to be the case in AEW, and not to say everyone's probably going to have the freedom of Chris, or maybe they will. Again, Chris, if that would have, you know, if a talent went out there and that bombed, they're going to have to, they, it's on that talent if it bombed. Chris isn't going to bomb, and he just took that, he shut it right down took a shot at WWE, stating only facts, which is why it was so good. And it elevated that group and made that group way more interesting than when they went out there when I first saw them. Yeah. And I think just from an outsider point of view, obviously wrestling fans, there's a lot of them that they're like, NXT needs to stay up wholesale. That's what NXT is. But you look at it from an outside wrestling fan or someone that's not a hardcore wrestling fan, and it's night and day, the, the look of those two shows. Yeah. Uh, NXT looks very... Minor league. Yeah. I mean, it looks like there's 40 people in that crowd. Uh, I mean, they could be loud at times, but they weren't as loud as last week. But uh, it, it looks very small, whereas AEW, I mean, they, they had like 5,000 in that arena. They made it look like 10. Uh, NXT has 400. They make it look like 50. And uh, I think they just need to really uh, change the look of the show if they want to if they want to start being competitive. And again, this goes to AEW has done a great job. We said with the guys that they have. And putting that show together where you see the names, because they don't have a lot of big names. They have enough to strategically put in at the show at the right times. And then putting Tony and Jim Ross on commentary, it gives the rub to all the other talent people don't know. In those big arenas that are filled up, everything has been elevated now really quickly. And it's going to take time, though, for AEW to fill in the gaps and get some of these young guys 
it's going to take just time. That's all that there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. And I think it's going to be putting some other key pieces in at the right time as time goes on and whatnot. But the entire presentation is that of a major league wrestling company and NXT is great and all the talent are great down there, but it's just, it's a different feel and it's, they are competing against each other ratings wise, whether they want to or not, more viewers are going to watch the more major league produced looking show in my opinion. Also, at last week's Dynamite, uh, Kevin Smith was in the crowd. I don't know if you heard about this. He was there. Uh, so him and, you know, uh, Silent Bob, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Jay, Jay Muse were in the crowd. They were supposed to be at SmackDown that Friday night. After they appeared on Dynamite, WWE told them that uh, they weren't going to be uh, needed at SmackDown. So they got uninvited to SmackDown for appearing on Dynamite. So uh, That's interesting. It's uh yeah, Kevin Smith was talking about it during an interview on, on the Rich Eisen show. It just makes WWE look bad, in my opinion. It really does, on everything with all that. The way they, they always show their true colors with the bully tactics and different things. I'm telling you, they're, they, they can come out all day long in, in Hunter and Vince and give their corporate politically correct you know answers on things, but their actions speak louder than their words always. Yeah, I did, I did want to get your opinion on one thing on, on Dynamite. Uh I argued on uh, Wrestling Inc. A lot of people are checking out AEW for the first time, and you want to establish your top stars, and part of that means not losing. And I just felt like the Young Bucks losing a private party, yes, down the road it should happen. Yes, that you want to put you know young guys over. But at the beginning, you want to protect your Jericho, your Omegas, your Young Bucks, the Cody's, even if they are EVPs and you want to show that you are going to do jobs. At the beginning, you want to establish those top guys, and part of that means not losing. And I just I thought they should not have been losing on their first tag team match on Dynamite. Yeah, that's again. So it, it, it's like we we had the conversation you know weeks before with them being in those positions and being in top spots. Yeah, and then people kind of the people are always going to criticize no matter what. Uh, that's their call at the end of the day. If they now if they are going to elevate, so, so this if this was a WWE thing and it was new, that match would have happened, and then the next week. Like, Private party would lose again, and right. nothing. Would, so, but AEW, we can't compare them to that. If they're going to create stars and they're going to elevate private party to maybe be the top tag team, possibly, then it makes perfect sense. And the young bucks are going to more than confident that they're going to be able to get themselves over it over time and keep doing what they're doing. That it's not that big of a deal. If the goal is we're going to make private party. That way, maybe the young bucks can focus more on their jobs. They're not the focal focal point of the show. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, they're just, and it, it is what it is, and that's their choice to do that. Um, I think, like, another thing, like Sammy, you know, this is a great thing that they just did here. Like, he had the match with Cody, and he lost, right? And it was mm-hmm. it was a great position for him to be in. Oftentimes, we'll see in WWE, after a guy's in an angle, they just kind of, they don't do anything with the guy that loses. They just elevated him. He got made with Cody. Cody Cody's Cody. Sammy got the rub a little bit from that. Rather than just forgetting about Sammy, they tie it together where he's now involved in the major, the biggest stable for that organization, and he is more over because of it two weeks later or a week later. And yep. that's something right there. Just seeing that little thing, I go, they know what they're doing. They're, mm-hmm. they're, there's, and whereas WWE would have completely, that he would have just been lost back in the shuffle, match on main event or superstars or, or another pointless match the following week because they have too much stuff going on. Where I, I think AEW, if they just do pro wrestling with the talent they have, like pro wrestling was always done, 
they're going to succeed. Recently, plus coming out of hell in the cell, uh, Bray Wyatt and Sasha Banks both suffered injuries, but Bray's is not that serious. He was actually involved in a, uh, a dark match segment on Raw with Cesaro where he, where he took him out. But he never appeared on Raw, but he was involved in a, yeah. a dark segment. Uh, Sasha Banks believes she suffered a back injury. It's not known how serious it is at this point, but it's thought to be... It, it seems like she's going to be missing a little bit of action. Uh, Ember Moon is also injured. It's believed she has either an ankle injury or an Achilles injury. Uh, obviously, the, there's two big differences with that. An ankle injury could be a few months, and an Achilles injury could be up to a year. So we will, you know, we'll see what we find out. And Samojo had suffered a thumb injury back in early September, and he's just waiting for doc- doctors to clear him. So he should be back soon. Yeah, again, that, that schedule, man, is no joke. And that's where I saw actually Dean Ambrose made a comment uh, about that the stupid WWE schedule. And I've been saying it, it really is. And somebody, it's too much. And it's we've seen and we talked about the deaths of pro wrestlers, how they die younger, specifically people that have worked for Vince. And uh, he uses you and throws you out afterwards. And those guys, and when you're there, you do your best to try to go week to week and just keep yourself glued together, and it is it is no easy task. And we're seeing it. Joe's had a lot of injuries since he's been there because he's already been wrestling for a long time. His body had a lot of miles on it, and then you get him and you, you throw him in that. And he's a big guy, too. He's very heavy. This is in today's style of pro wrestling because psychology is, even though Joe has great psychology, the psychology of pro wrestling has kind of gone out the window in some regards with a lot of having a lot of smaller guys and not knowing, understanding how to work against bigger guys and still tell a story and have it make sense, still doing a lot of the stuff that you're doing. It, it's just, and sometimes a lot of the bigger guys are trying to do, keep up at the pace and the speed of the lighter guys rather than making the lighter guys switch up their style to work with the bigger guys. And it, it puts a lot of miles on your body really, really quick up there and whatnot. But uh, hopefully everyone, you know, can get, get healthy and, I, I just talked to Seamus here this week. I know he's uh, he's feeling great. He just got the stem cells down at BioAccelerator. He's he's never felt better, and uh, I think he's looking forward to getting back eventually and whatnot. So it's a tough thing. You're hurt all the time when you're there. That's one thing I remember just constantly. And when you would feel like for me, whenever I would feel good, and like I'm like, man, I feel great. I would I would do something that night or the night after in a random thing, and like you're you're hurting somewhere. It's like it's just constantly from one area to the next because. There's just no time off and there's no time for your body to recover. So you're just constantly dealing with pain management until something just goes to somewhere you got to take a few weeks or months off and whatnot. So, but I did, on speaking of that, I wanted to ask you because I forgot before. Uh, I'm really interested to see what WWE does with Tyson uh, Fury and Braun Strowman coming up. I wanted, if you had anything on that. Yeah, so uh, it's looking like they're doing Braun Strowman versus Tyson Fury and Cain Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. Yeah. Uh, so we're taping this before their press conference. They're having a press conference today, but both those matches are expe- expected to be announced for Crown Jewel. Okay. I, I mean, the, you know, uh, it seems like two very similar gimmicks for one show. Yeah. You know, it almost seems like you should do one at Survivor Series, but I know they're getting a ton of money from the Saudi government. They want a big show, and they're trying to put on the biggest matches that they could. So that's uh, that's what it's appearing to be like right now. I'm uh, the Brock Kane thing. I understand, and that makes sense. And I'm curious to see what they do with that. That's, we'll wait to talk about that one. I think I'm really interested though, because for me and the Braun Strowman's another guy they've missed out on again on purpose, and this is all done on purpose. No, not Braun's fault. It's all done by design. That. You've taken him, and he he lost to Seth there, so he's lost that, another big match. 
much like myself, where in the championship matches, he's lost every single one. <clears throat> and you get knocked a peg lower every time that happens, whether you want. So eventually when he does win it, he's not going to be as over as he should. And they do that on purpose. So then eventually they will put the title on him, but he won't be a megastar because of all these losses that they do. And they won't follow through with it long-term enough after. But this is almost, to me, you're putting this boxer in there who doesn't have, as far as I know, any wrestling experience. Right. And I'm sure there's going to be some sort of gimmick to this whole thing. But here's my concern is you're putting one of your top baby faces who could easily be your top baby face of the company if you want or heel, either one, with his size and his ability to work his gimmick against uh, this pro boxer who's amazing but and they're going to pay all this money to. Do you think they're going to bring in Tyson Fury? And if the business model was to make the WWE superstars marquee names, you would pay this guy a bunch of money to put over Braun Strowman and fucking run with it. That's what you should be doing as a company for your talent. Pay these outsiders who are legitimate super people in their own fields $10 million to come in to put over your guy in this fake world so that you can sell and make money with this guy. My concern is they're going to bring Fury in and it's going to be like a big show type thing where Braun ends up fucking... I don't, I don't, see, I don't see how this is going to... I don't see Braun coming out on top of this with Tyson Fury where he's at in his career right now unfortunately, and maybe I'm wrong, but they've proven it, and I, I feel like this is just going to, I think this is really going to fucking really put a hurting on Braun overall, because he's a baby face too, as well. Yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, back in the day, WCW, when they bring celebrities, celebrities would do the job all the time. Kevin Green lost, yep. uh, Dennis Rodman lost to Randy Savage. They would have celebrities lose all the time. In WWE, that's not the case. You know, you no. brought up Floyd Mayweather beating Big Show. You had Kevin Federline pinning John Cena yeah. on Raw. Uh, the celebrities always win in WWE, so I'm I'm guessing that's going to be the case here with Tyson Fury. Uh, Cain Velasquez, it's looking like he's in probably longer term. He's out of the drug testing pool in MMA, yeah. so looking like he's transitioning. Whether they have Cain beat Brock right off the bat, I don't know if it's going to be a title match or not. It, it would make sense for it not to be since Cain has never wrestled before. Yeah. And then you could have Cain get the victory, and then that leads to a title match. But uh, And I will we'll say, Cain, because I know people are – he had the, the match over there in AAA, right? right. The, and that was a six-man tag. And I know he can do some some lucha moves, and I saw some of that actually. We're going to talk about that. But I want to say Braun one thing is this is a really tough predicament to put Braun in because both guys are baby faces. And, mm -hmm. and Braun's not a heel, and to me, and it is, it, it's a very odd pairing outside of just doing something random, like I said. Now, again, if they do this and Braun somehow comes out on top, job well done. If they do do that, they just never have. And it's like my <clears> thing <throat> is with Tyson and fucking Stone Cold, if you would have had back when uh, Tyson came in, Austin got the rub from that without those two necessarily actually having to have a physical confrontation. If you would have had that thing where Austin shoved him as your big top babyface and Tyson fucking decked him and put him down and knocked him the fuck out, Stone Cold Steve Austin would have looked horrible. He would right. not have been as over as he was. He would not have gone on to go higher than he was. But if he was, if that was today, that's exactly what would happen. And that's yeah. the, that's my comparison for people. That's what I am. I'm, I'm afraid of as far as that with Braun. We'll see if they prove me wrong on that though. But they've so far they've never done that with anyone here in, in recent memory. Yeah, Kane is yeah. very new. To pro wrestling too, I and, and a lot of people. It's like they they brought Ronda in. They groomed groomed Ronda for a while and made and protected her and heavily scripted the matches. As far as I understand, up front at least mm -hmm. until she got some live event experience. And Ronda did phenomenal. 
Kane is coming in at a he's Ronda was is still young and in the peak of her career prime. Kane's a little had a lot of injuries and different things, and he's he's as badass as they come. But my concern is you're taking this guy, they're gonna pay him this money, and you're throwing him into this spot. I know this from being in the business and doing this, and no, I could tell looking at him, he's very out of his element in this. And it just you could tell by how somebody conducts themselves in interviews, and not to say he is it's taking Michael Jordan out of his element and putting him in baseball. He doesn't look quite as right. I my only thing is you got to give the protect this guy and give him time to get comfortable in the world of pro wrestling. They're throwing him into the fire and like that's Brock's world. Brock, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so that's what I'm concerned with. I want to <clears> see how it plays out. I'm I'm very I'm going to tune in. But yeah. I, my thing is for Kane, I hope they protect him and help him learn the world of pro wrestling because it takes time. Yeah, maybe they do something like what they did with Brock and Goldberg at Survivor Series, where it's a quick match, where it's surprising, explosive, and and you know it's a quick victory uh, to start off, and then let Kane get more you know comfortable at the Performance Center before doing the uh, the rematch. But we'll we'll yeah, see. We'll have to see. Finally, Edge, the there were he, he left his podcast last week, um, and he so now it's just Christian, uh, and immediately rumors started that he is probably going to be returning to WWE. The front row Brian, who has broken a lot of MMA stories, he now goes by Fight Oracle on Twitter. He broke he first broke the story about AEW and TNT. And he reported that Edge has been cleared and will be returning to action in WWE. Edge sent out a tweet, not specifically referencing that, but just saying, no, I didn't and no, I won't. Something along those lines. And then it comes out that earlier this week he was in Pittsburgh for what was described as WWE business. Now, Pittsburgh is where uh, Dr. Joseph Maroon, the WWE physician, is located. So got Crown Jewel coming up. Uh, Not too many rabbits left for WWE to pull out of the hat. What are your what are your thoughts on Edge, and do you think uh, we'll see him back in action? And is it a good idea? So I, I've actually spoken to him uh, on a couple of occasions because uh, over specifically the bioaccelerator stem cells down there in Medellin, Colombia, and I've had done that. All, a lot of the other WWE superstars, Kurt Angle's down there this week getting treatment, and he had he had some questions about that because I think he was interested in uh, shooting down there at some point, or at least had some questions and was contemplating it uh, at some point. But I just know from uh, talking to him, I know he said he felt amazing and he'd saw some other doctors. And I think that his, whatever the issue was in the past, or it's not given him any problems and that he he's, looks better than he's looked in a long time. He's very physically active. I know he was telling me a, a story. He was riding his bike and fell off and like took a really hard fall and was completely fine. And uh, I think that maybe, I know, and I'm, don't quote me on this exactly, but there was something of the effect that, with his neck and that, you know, that if he was dropped on his head, it, I don't know right. if there's any more risk specifically if it would be that if a healthy person was dropped on their neck, like it would be bad either way. Like if you know what it is. So, um, and he's a very, he's a great worker. He, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to protect himself. And I wouldn't be shocked if he has the itch to return in some capacity to do whether it's one match or a couple matchups. I think if he's in Pittsburgh where everything is at, that I think it's to see where he's at, get the testing done on their end, and probably to see if he can come back uh, for a match. And I would say it's probably going to be for one matchup on his end to see how he feels. And if he ends up doing it and he feels great and he and he enjoys being back, I think we possibly possibly could see something uh, more long term. And him stopping that podcast for the time being, it, it's 
that's because he's probably needs to devote himself time wise to being in the ring and physically and not over uh, spending himself in other areas. As I know, doing this show, it takes a lot of time and effort doing all that. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Edge back in WWE uh, in some capacity here again. Yeah. And, you know, up until this up until this year, he's made appearances on WWE since he's retired and never done anything physical. And then at SummerSlam, he hit the, you know, the spear on Elias. So uh, he's definitely got to be feeling better. So we'll we'll definitely keep uh, we'll keep everyone updated on that. And I will say and what happens is and this is and I just know just for me, I feel that when you're in front of a, a live crowd like that, all the thousands of people and he got to feel that adrenaline again, it's a very powerful, addictive drug like feeling the adrenaline of a, a live crowd. And he has, like you said, he's been involved in things in the past, but never really physically where, you know, he hit that spear and you feel that rush of the crowd and uh, there's nothing like it in the world. So uh -huh. that's all it takes to, to possibly get you. You know what? I think I want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, right back. Another huge week. Uh, this, this has been the busiest week at Wrestling Inc. That wasn't a uh, WrestleMania week that we've ever had. So that's good news. That's good. <laughs> yeah, good news. Uh, but uh, thanks as always for having me on. This was a, a lot of fun. Likewise. Anything, Raj, you want to go ahead to plug to wrap up? Uh, yeah, just keep uh, checking out Wrestling Inc. We have interviews this week with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the Von Erics, uh, ODB, uh, just and tons of new content, tons of articles. Like I said, we've had hundreds of articles this week, and, and it's just been so busy. But uh, stuff is just <laughs> happening all over the place. So uh, keep checking out WrestlingInc.com. Absolutely, and I do want to touch on, because I just talked to her yesterday myself with ODB, with everybody out there, to, to please tune into that interview, because I'd imagine it has information with her food truck, correct? That's and her correct. Indiegogo, that um, you can go to the www.indiegogo.com slash project slash help ODB, but o ODB Indiegogo, Google it, it should come up, and uh, you could help donate her food truck burned down uh, in a freak accident. Insurance is playing hardball, they're probably not going to cover any or very little of it, and uh, she has a, a fundraiser here to, to help ODB get a new food truck, and she's a great human being, I've known her for many, many years. Uh, so if you guys could support that and support out Jesse, it would, uh, it would, it's for a great thing. So Raj, thank you as always. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, guys, we'll be right back after these messages. Baseball season is in full swing and placing a wager on baseball has never been more exciting than with betonline.ag. This week, I'm not watching any of the game, guys, because you know the big guy Ryback is, doesn't watch much sports, to be quite honest. But I'm not against it at all. And if you love sports and you love betting, betonline.ag is your place. Because now you can save an extra 50% added on to your sports betting bankroll when you go to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. The best part is... The bonus will be added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our podcast by going to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. A minimum deposit of $25 is required to qualify for the bonus, and please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. BetOnline.ag, your one-stop shop for online betting. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback, and I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at fuelmeals.com has something for everybody, 
and easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my fuel meals and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day. So fuel meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code the big guy to save 15%. Fuelmeals.com. Feed me more. All right, back. Big thank you to Stan Efforting this week for coming on the show and uh, truly enjoyed that conversation. Very fortunate to be able to get the people that I do uh, on this show and uh, specifically the people in the health and fitness world. It's really important for me, especially with Feed Me More Nutrition, everything and trying to expand my audience outside of just the the wrestling world uh, and trying to have a little bit of something for everybody on here. And he, he's a very knowledgeable human being, as you could tell. Uh, he's lived an amazing life and done some great, great things and continues to do great things. So big thank you to Stan Efforting for coming on. And uh, Raj Geary, as always, it, he's the best in the game, I feel like, at, at reporting pro wrestling news. And the man has a soul. <laughs> Whereas I feel like a lot of people that are involved in the wrestling news sites, not to say all of them, because I'm sure there are other good ones, but... Uh, I've been very fortunate enough to get linked up with Raj here. He he does a great job at, at presenting the news in a factual way uh, and doing his best at that. So big thank you to Raj Geary with Wrestling Inc. That's WrestlingInc.com. Check them out, guys, over there doing great things. And he has a lot of good interviews, as he said, uh, with his podcast as well. Big thank you this week uh, to Real Good Foods. You can save 15% on RealGoodFoods.com with Ryback15. Or Ryback, excuse me. Save 15% with discount code Ryback over at realgoodfoods.com. Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service. Fuelmeals.com. Save 15% with discount code TheBigGuy. They got the chicken, steak, turkey. They have all sorts of things, quesadillas. It's individual meals that are shipped frozen on, on overnight. And they come ice cold to you. It's $8, dollars $11 per meal. Like I said, I usually get uh, grilled chicken and grilled steak. Uh, with broccoli and brown rice are the, my go-to meals that I alternate week after week on those. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll mix usually a couple of those in a day with my meals and my iso-hungry protein shakes. And I'm sitting at 298 to 300 pounds going to bed every night, waking up around 295. And uh, I'm the body is bouncing back quickly here with all of that. So fuel meals plays a big part of that, guys. And I've been with them for years, which is why I, I choose to promote them. Feed Me More Nutrition Available on feedmemore.com and Amazon. You guys can save 20% with discount code PODCAST20 at the checkout section with the code PODCAST20. It is my personal supplement line, sweetened with stevia and monk fruit. We use more ingredients. Our profit margins are smaller than a lot of the other supplement companies. We spend three to five times for our formulas than the other supplement companies and keep our prices at a very competitive price that they still, that they overcharge for, in my opinion, Many people would say we undercharge, and people I've talked to said I need to raise my prices. I don't believe in doing that. Uh, I don't think that is a good idea, and I don't think people should be punished um, for wanting to be healthy. So uh, we got a lot of cool things coming out with that. Uh, I got a lot of samples we're doing. This is actually watered down tremendously. I went through the whole thing with Raj there earlier. This is the Pumplex City, though, the cotton candy they nailed. So I'm getting ready to... Uh, approve the cotton candy for Pumplex City. We were going to try Fruit Punch. 
I do like the fruit punch, but I, I still think it needs a little more work. So we're going to go ahead and run with the cotton candy as they, they nailed that one. Uh, they just nailed a mango candy, wake up unlimited energy. That one has been ordered. The purchase order is uh, hopefully will actually get completed today, if not in the next couple of days for that. And uh, finalize the labels for the wake up unlimited energy, mango candy. So we are now going to be running with three flavors. We actually updated uh, the pink lemonade. They are they made a couple revisions on and improved that one even further. Still tastes it, like very much has that s s same taste as the pink lemonade. They just made it a little better, uh, in my opinion. I'm always trying to improve these things. And as always, we have the green apple, which is our best seller on the wake up and limited energy out of those two flavors that we do have right now. They did a strawberries and cream, iso hungry, grass fed protein. And the first one was really good. And I wanted it just a little thicker and a little creamier. And it has actual fro the frozen strawberry pieces in it, chunks in it, which make it amazing. It is, I, as soon as I tasted the new one, I go, we're doing this. So now I got, so we got the mango candy coming out. We got the cotton candy pumplexity and I'm getting ready. I got to put in an order here for the strawberries and cream. I so hungry. I got rice crispy treat cereal out there as well. I have a feeling that one's going to be amazing because the last one was really good. I just wanted a couple changes on it. So we are growing rapidly over here at Feed Me More Nutrition, expanding the product line. I'm trying to fill in the flavors and give more options for flavors. And it just takes time. You know, I got I got a fairly large line out now, and the more stuff I have, the more work it creates, but that's a good problem to have, so no complaints from me on that, and thank you guys for supporting Feed Me More Nutrition. We had month after month, three months looking back, we have set record sales on the feedmemore.com website. We are on pace to shatter those numbers this month with where we are currently at sitting for the month, so... Thank you guys very much from the bottom of my heart. Uh, it's been a lot of work, but it's very gratifying and uh, to be able to earn a living without using my body. And it took some time and it's taken a lot of effort. And uh, I thank you guys tremendously and for supporting Ryback TV, youtube.com slash Ryback TV, well, where we're putting a lot of the content out now. And uh, we've just, the, the, the subscribers keep going up faster and faster on that. So thank you guys very much, which is getting me more supplement sales. <laughs> so I'm the busier I get, the busier I get on everything that I'm doing. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So thank you guys very much and get myself in shape, get healthy and I'll see what I could do pro wrestling wise. And, uh, I, I could just tell you guys going back full time is probably at this point, I, I can't stop doing what I, you know, we talked about with edge. He was stopping his podcast. This stuff means too much to me. And the people that we, I get in the messages that how we're able to impact them with life changes, this is very rewarding to me. And I have no intentions of ever stopping this. So, and again, I just pro wrestling and the schedule, I don't believe in that life. I think that is, I think that all needs to change. Now, could I wrestle every week on a TV program? Absolutely. That would be manageable. Um, in, in a pay per view here and there, absolutely. But working and doing that job five days a week, I just destroyed my body and have been given a second chance. I have zero interest in fueling a billionaire's wealth to go whore my body out again and, and sacrifice my health that I've been given a blessed opportunity to get back that never before has been possible in regenerating five discs and a shoulder that needed to be replaced. And it's been fucking nonstop work on my end. I will not throw my name into a hat and say, 
you here, use my body again and destroy me. Pump me full of your drugs and destroy me. Not happening. Not happening. So, and when I say pump me full of your drugs, I'm talking about Toradol and cortisone, which did a lot of damage to me. And um, I'm very lucky to not have any other serious repercussions from that outside of what I've already dealt with. But um, wrestling, a much better schedule is something that I will be open to at some point when I get my shoulder uh, a little stronger here, which again, it's three and a half, four hours every day of rehab and working out. And we'll see what that time. In the meantime, I'm making money. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I, I, I get to sleep in my own bed every night. And when you have the ability to earn a living outside of wrestling, it gives you power and control not to agree to stupid shit you don't have to agree to. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do what I am doing. And I had to be very patient, heard a lot of shit from people, and I continue and continue to improve doing it. So I knew I knew the game plan going in. And as Gary Vaynerchuk always says, patience and hard work always pays off. Big thank you to BioAccelerator, as always, guys, the company that flew me out to Medellin, Colombia, for my, my latest stem cell procedures, which have helped me tremendously. Uh, my back is stronger than it's ever been. My shoulder is stronger than it's ever been. And a lot of that is through vigorous rehab uh, and weight training again now. Uh, but the stuff is, is getting me healthy, and it's, it's really starting to kick in here. And I, again, I'm a little over I'm two months and almost two weeks in. I really get my the most recovery from this stuff here until about the four or five month mark. So it, it is continuously working in my body. And uh, and like I said, my weight is I'm as heavy as I've ever been. And my muscular development is coming, especially in, in switching my diet up has played a big part in that as well. In getting back into a carb-based diet and giving myself the energy to fuel my muscle growth and recovery. But BioAccelerator, guys, is is really, they stepped up and they helped me out in a big way. You can find out more about them. David Truitt is Iowa, Iowa Hawks fan on my Instagram. You can give him a follow and shoot him a DM. Any information that you would like uh, to have on these stem cell procedures, you can go to their website at www.stemcells.bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback-Reeves. That's bioaccelerator.com slash Ryback-Reeves. Um, their, their Instagram bioaccelerator is on uh, my Instagram as well. You guys could look into that and get, get a quote and I at least have an understanding of what um, you it might cost to get treatment eventually, uh, and maybe you could hold off on surgery in the meantime. And because um, surgery is not always the answer, we have regenerative medicine that works. I would not be promoting them, guys, if it didn't work. I had eleven procedures here in the states that helped me with Dr. Baumgartel immensely. Uh, and this bioaccelerator was there, I, and I, I might possibly want to go get one more round just for extra good measure at some point. It's legitimate. It works. We're seeing all the WWE guys that are over there going. Me and Kevin Nash went. Kurt Angle's over there now. Bobby Lashley, Rey Mysterio, Rob Van Dam. There's, there's been name after name of going over there. All the UFC guys are going over. Sheamus was just down there. And it is, it, is a, it is a great thing that they got going on over there, guys. My motivational thought of the week this week. Uh, we're not going to do a quote. I actually want to do a comment that I made off of one of Gary Vaynerchuk's posts that I think is uh, seems to be getting a good good uh, amount of uh, responses from people. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read. Gary kind of made a post on talking about how he says something. He goes, how you say something often confuses people on what you're saying. This was a fun convo I was having with D-Rock, but I'm glad we clipped it and I could share it this Friday morning. Please be authentic to you. Don't worry about if your energy is low or too high. Uh, or, or you curse or you don't. 
just be you because real messages win in the end. And uh, I loved that. And it has a video clip of him talking on his on the Gary Vaynerchuk Instagram page. And uh, you've heard me talk about uh, people are going to love and hate us no matter what, right? Just be loved and hated for being exactly who you are. Uh, because the minute you try to alter yourself for one person on their fucking opinion, what's going to happen is you're not going to have 10 more people that don't like you now because you're doing something else. So now then you try to appease those people and try to shape shift yourself to fit what those people think you should be doing. And then now you got 30 people that are pissed off at how you're acting with that. And then before you know it, you don't have no fucking clue who you are. You're acting every which way. You're, you realize at the end of the day, no matter what you do, people are going to be pissed off because you can't control the thoughts that go through other people. You can't control the way other people have been brought up and then the thoughts of their little baby brains had put into them from a young age from their parents or whoever raised them or whatever their life circumstances are. So the best fucking thing to do is just be yourself all the time. And then the people that love you will actually love you for you being you. It's no extra work. You don't have to do anything special. And the people that hate you, we're going to hate you anyways, no matter what fucking way you chose to be because they're fucking miserable and they talk about complaining, which it's okay not to like somebody, but I've always talked about it. It's the people that think it's okay to just spread hate and whatnot. Fuck them anyways. Who cares? Just be yourself. And I left a comment to Gary and I don't know why sometimes just random things pop in my head and people seem to be digging it. But I said, uh, you're on a mountain bike with frost suspension in a world filled with adults riding around on huffy Disney princess bikes with training wheels. Be loved and hated for being yourself. Little muscle flex and a little applause. So let's just be ourselves. That's what I've done. I've not altered myself one bit here with anything. There are people, you know, when I left wrestling and WWE put out all those false uh, narratives through the Sportster, who they actually promoted on their show recently, which I thought was fucking hilarious that they're promoting the Sportster, which is the worst publication known to man that I had to hire an attorney to take down lie after lie. And people, I, I, they were making up false things about me. People saying that I'm a fucking liar, this and that. Those same motherfuckers are the ones messaging me saying, I'm very sorry. Just keep your fucking awesome. Keep being you, et cetera, et cetera. I was wrong. I shouldn't have believed what I read. No shit. I'm not going to quit being fucking me because I'm not saying anything fucking wrong. I'm not lying. I've always fucking been straight up and honest with you guys. And you love me, you love me. If you want to hate me, at least fucking hate me for the truth. Not some shitty fucking publication making up lies from a company I said fuck you and walked out on. Give me a break. Be yourselves, guys. Trust me. It's worth it. That's my message of the week. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this week's show. I don't really, I don't really have anything else to talk about. I got a busy day. I got a, I got a lot I got to get done here. And uh, I do want to go ahead and give a shout out, though, if I could find it. To Wiretap Radio and CLNS Media, even though CLNS Media doesn't get me any fucking ads. Why I keep them on, I have zero idea. <laughs> Let's get some ads, guys. Haven't heard from you in a few weeks. For all fan mail, P.O. Box 752740, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89136. Please put uh, return postage in there, guys, with one to two items uh, tops on that. For all personal videos uh, by myself, cameo.com slash Ryback. All professional wrestling bookings or appearances, please contact us at bookthebigguy at yahoo.com. Uh, Ryback TV, again, guys, Ryback TV, youtube.com slash Ryback TV. For the YouTube show, we have a lot of clips and different content on there that if you listen to this show, please switch over there to YouTube and see some of the other stuff we're doing. It's uh, We've got food videos, spicy challenges over there. We're doing, did an ASMR video this week. We're, and essentially, and again, being transparent with you guys, hitting... 
my demographic in, in different areas that a lot of people that watch ASMR videos are professional wrestling fans. So YouTube starts recommending the videos to people who already know me who just may not have known what happened to me. And that is why we have a very strategic game plan with the channel on getting back my audience that was lost, that Instagram is not pr promoting me to my followers, which we've talked about everything going on with that. YouTube is. So the attention is use the other social media to direct everybody to the YouTube at Ryback TV. So that is what is going on as far as all that goes. Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, my motivational book available on Amazon, paperback, audible, and Kindle formats. I am the big guy, Ryback22 on Instagram, at Feed Me More Nutrition on Instagram, conversation with the big guy on Instagram. I'm Ryback22 on Twitter, at Feed Me More Nutrition on Facebook, and Ryback247 on Snapchat. Thank you guys for listening. You've just listened to another episode of Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. Feed me more. This is Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. Subscribe, like, rate, comment. 